The following views expressed are those of the speakers and do not represent the views of DOD Arts Components. Pay attention because you are now listening to Permission to Speak Freely. 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 Ever good. Hey, what's going on, world? Hey. Man, we got a really good pod today for you guys, man. A real great conversation, um, and I cannot wait to get started, man. So with that being said, let's get right into it. Uh, first, we got a guest, as you guys already can see, so we're going to let him introduce himself real quick. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Amari Ponciano. I'm a IT Master Chief, uh, now with 23 years in the Navy. Mm, Jordan year. Jordan, yeah, right? Yeah, All right. So 23. Before we get into it, right? Um, first I'm gonna talk about two weeks ago when we were supposed to, you know, get into <laughs> it, right? So boom, we posted somehow Angeline finds something to do every Thursday, right? Like every Thursday she gets it. So that's when we record. If you're a listener, we record on Thursdays, right? And this Thursday, she just happened to get into a car accident, right? And I'm like, man, we set this up. We've been looking forward to this. I was talking to Amari like often like hey we ready we ready he was ready and then um accident happened i had to canx you know then i like uncanxed and then i'm like hey bro you good nah bro i'm at the pool now man but (laughs) we tried to do it we tried to get back but it just it wasn't gonna be what it will be today uh the waves you know the pool waves kids jumping in the pool You know, it's great stuff. But um, we got you. We got you here today, which is is super beautiful. Um, and I'm super happy that we can start this pod. Hey, Damon. Yeah. yeah. How would before we get into it, man? Anything from your week? Anything noteworthy? Anything you want to talk about? No, man. Um, same old thing, man. My back's still jacked up. Other than my back, I just want the world to know, man, because they care about me, man. The world out there care about me. People didn't hit me up and ask me how my back was doing. So I want to let them know I'm doing a little bit better. You know, I'm doing That's a little crazy. bit better. That's crazy. They hit you up? Man, I got to... Come on, bro. It's me, man. Come on now. <laughs> no, because I'm saying yeah. I told you, I told the same people out in the world that my wife was in the car accident and I got not one. Nobody hit you up? It's like it's just for entertainment. Nobody Like I'm just making shit up oh, for entertainment purposes. man. I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> to hear that, man. I'm sorry to hear that. But um, yeah, my back doing better. I got an MRI coming up, you know, next week. So I, I'll let you guys know how that go. Yeah. How about All you, right, man? So me... Nothing. Um, you know, just chief season stuff. So I'm running a season this year. Uh, so also, like, yeah, yeah. So it's a big, you know, big learning thing for me. Cause you know, I'm usually doing like video, you know, cause that's my specialty. So I'm usually doing video stuff like that for the season. It's really no questions asked. I don't really have to do much for prep when the season start. I'm a video it. We're going to have a nice movie. It's going to be good to go. Um, this year when I joined this mess, well, last year, you know, coming to this command, I was telling the old lead, my boy JC, like, yo, I do video. And I don't know if he knew how serious, like, <laughs> that was, you know? So I'm like, yo, I could send you a picture. Uh, I, I'm like, I could send you, because we make movies, Amari, like, other other season. It's like, oh, nice. almost like a, it's almost like a Damn. reality show where we get, Hell like, of a boom. job, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so it's almost like a reality show. Now, now people going to steal this idea, right? But it's all cool, right? So we, we get the selects, like... Kind of like, you know how they got confessionals in a reality show? Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. So like every major event, like we might, we only interview the selects probably like three times a season, but it's after like, like they might talk about like 
vessels and what it mean to them. They might talk about like that first week and what it meant to them. And then they might talk about final night before final night and what it meant. And it's like, but like we keep the audio and we clip it through the video. So it's kind of like a mini movie. And these things last, like, I think the longest one was like 37 minutes. It was long, right? That's what's our up. One was, yeah. Our first one was like 30. Aside from the fact that Saul got like a three minute intro, right? <laughs> Saul intro be like three minutes, but it's like, it was like a 37 minute video. But I like, long story short, I get to the new command. I'm like, hey, bro, I do like these videos. And like, so I always sometimes try to talk about the things I do without like showing people and just hoping that they just, you know, yeah, all right, bro, like I'm going to put you, you know, so, but he put me on the photo committee and it was like really like literally like pictures, you know what I mean? And then like the lead was like, yo, you could do whatever you want with the video. But then it was like, yo, I was going to have to do it all by myself. Right. So I'm used to like me and Saul working together. So like I was like, so I joined the photo committee, but I didn't feel like I was doing the most I could do. So I'm like, all right, let me step out of I don't want to try to convince people to like that I do video next year. Right. <laughs> so let me step out of video and just do something different next year. So I put my name and I had to be the lead and I got picked. So it's been a learning, it's been like, so like, it's been a learning uh, process for me because like I said, that, that was the most I've ever done was video. And it's like, no, I'm never really, I don't got to be at the meetings. Like, yo, when we ready and they knew it, it's like, yeah. you know, it's like, yo, they know Damo going to show up when it's time for video, Damo and Saul, they got this, you know what I mean? And, um, Hey, I, big shout out to uh, Saul who really had a big part in that stuff. I, I had like a hundred bad shots and so I had to go through a million bad shots to edit, you know what I'm saying? So but but that's it. That was it for me. You know, we went to the site that we do on final night at or whatever. We went to the site today. We walked around uh, super hot, had a good time. But I'm going to cut to the chase, man, because we really, we, you know, we don't have a guest here today for nothing. So we've been looking forward to this uh, episode for a long time. But I'm going to cut to the chase real quick. And I'm going to start with the hero of the week because I think that that's relative to where we're going to go. Right. So our hero of the week is Sergeant Daryl S. Cole, United States Marine Corps Reserve Medal of Honor, February 19, 1945, Iwo Jima, Japan, World War II. Right. Here's the citation for conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty while serving as leader of a machine gun section of Company Bravo, 1st Battalion. 23rd Marines, 4th Marine Division, and action against enemy Japanese forces during the assault on Iwo Jima and the Volcano Islands, 19 February 1945. Assailed by a tremendous volume of small arms, mortar, and artillery fire, as he advanced with one squad of his section in the initial assault wave, Sergeant Cole boldly led his men up the sloping beach toward airfield number one, despite the blanketing curtain of flying shrapnel and personally destroying with hand grenades two hostile emplacements which menaced the progress of his unit, continued to move forward until a merciless barrage of fire emanating from three Japanese pillboxes halted the advance. Instantly placing his one remaining machine gun in action, he delivered a shattering fusillade of succeeded and succeeded in silencing the nearest and most threatening emplacement before his weapon jammed and the enemy reopening fire with knee mortars and grenade pinned down his unit for the second time. Truly gauging the tactical situation and evolving a daring plan of counterattack, Sergeant Cole, armed solely with a pistol and one grenade, coolly advanced alone to the hostile pillboxes, 
Hurling his one grenade at the enemy in sudden, swift attack, he quickly withdrew, returned to his own lines for additional grenades, and again advanced, attack, and withdrew. With enemy guns still active, he ran the gauntlet of slashing fire for a, a, a third time to complete the total destruction of the Japanese strong point and the annihilation of the defending garrison in this final assault. Although instantly killed by an enemy grenade as he returned to a squad, Sergeant Cole had eliminated a formidable Japanese opponent, thereby enabling his company to storm the remaining fortifications, continue the advance, and seize the objective. By his dauntless initiative, unfaltering courage, and indomitable determination during a critical period of action, Sergeant Cole served as an inspiration to his comrades and his stout-hearted leadership in the face of almost certain death sustained and enhanced the highest tradition of the United States Naval Service. He gallantly gave his life for his country. Sergeant Darrell S. Cole, United States Marine Corps, Medal of Honor, 1945, Iwo Jima, Japan, World War II. Normally, I go straight to Damon and ask him, you know, how he feels about the citation, but I'm going to do a little different today. Amari, how does that make you feel when you hear that? Uh First, you have to start with saying that just it's impressive. I mean, you hear that even if you're not in the military, right, and cannot relate necessarily to to being in battle or or to having gone through something similar. You you get to hear the the steps, the things that he had to do, and and the fact that he kept coming back, right? Like if we're just not just one time, and you know, just maybe got excited at that moment and did it and then, you know, retrieved or did something. He continued to do it until mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately he was killed. So that just tells you about his character, right? And, 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 and the desire to do whatever it took to, to help his, his brothers and sisters in arm to get the mission accomplished. So, uh, I, I, I've been, uh, blessed in the sense of having to work with people that to that caliber. And uh, when I hear a citation like that, I think about those individuals, uh, which we're probably going to talk a little bit more later on. Mm-hmm. When did you join the Navy? Uh, I joined the Navy in uh, 1999, uh, right out of high school. Um, as you probably could tell a little bit um, from my accent, I was born in the Dominican Republic. Uh, and I came to uh, New Jersey when I was 14. I didn't know any English. And uh, I went to high school. And then uh, for the summer, I went back to Dominican Republic. And then as soon as I got back, I got back like 31 July and the 2nd of August, I, uh, I went and uh, I was in boot camp. So um, I, I was in RM for two weeks until they switched us to uh, ITs uh, later on that year or whatever. And then I, I, pick, I went off for orders and I remember telling my instructor, uh, I was like, number two or number three in the class. And I told him, I said, I want to learn my rate and I want to go somewhere where I'm going to do everything that is uh, required for an IT. And uh, he was like, DDG. So the newest DDG at the time was the USS Cole. And that's where you went. Yes. In 1990, did you get there in 99? Uh, I got there in 2000. I got there in 2000 because I had to wait about three months to be in the, to get classed up for some reason that year. We had a lot of ITs going through a school. I mean, we had days, knife and mitts uh, classes and we still had to wait three months. So I didn't get to the ship until uh, late March of uh, 2000. So you got to the ship late March, 2000. And what, what was the... How was life on a ship when you got there? Uh, so, I, I mean, 
it, it now that I could compare it to, you know, uh, to just my, my experiences, uh, you can see a very close, um, you know, crew, right. Uh, from radio to where I went, you know, and the, the other ITs there and, and then to the ship itself, um, it was, it, it, for what I could tell back then. And then just remembering a little bit now, um, it's everybody, you know, kind of like understood where their job, you know, everybody was, you know, you had your, your, your differences, of course, and you had your groups, especially when you go in the, in the mess decks, like all the ITs, we used to sit in one area and then you had your different, you know, ethnicities and, you know, different, you know, departments, you know, you have all that, but at the same token, um, there was always that, that, um, camaraderie that I, I, I got to see early on. Uh, and then I was very lucky because I, I, checked in and right away we went and come to X. Um, and that was one of the reasons why I checked in earlier because my, my sponsor, uh, she wanted me to get there so I could get a taste of like our first port. You know, you always do that and come to X kind of giving you the crew, what, what a port visit might be, even though it's not overseas, but what it would look like. And I was lucky enough that it was Miami. Uh, and I, I, we got to see, you know, you get to see the dynamics also then outside. Right. So by the time we were, uh, we went on deployment in August. Uh, we already had even more of a chemistry because we did that, that we did come to X and then we did that port visit. Um, so, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a really close crew. Yeah. So, so prior yeah. to the, what was up, Damon? Yeah. Amar, I got one quick thing, man. I don't know if it's just me or not, but we talked to a lot of people here when we talk about the first, you think the first ship is one of those things where you go there, you young, you're hungry. Cause a lot of times the first ship is like a lot of people's first, they best command. I mean, it's my best command. I was at blah, blah, blah. I was thinking about this for a second. I think maybe it's because, you know, we didn't know no better. We came in, I came in 18, you know, first command and sailors knew their job. Sailors knew a lot. You learn so much. And I was wondering, is there one of those things where, you know what, man, we, we were just hungry for information back then. So I, I, I really believe that. Right. Cause I think, um, the coal is still, will be up the top. And it's just one of those things. One, because of what happened, of course. And then two is my first command. And I, it's what you're saying though. Uh, I, I was so hungry to learn, right? Like I was just, mm-hmm. and, and, and it, and it, and I saw that everywhere. I will say this too, that, that for our, for this generation now, they have a disadvantage that I don't think we had way back then in, in 2000, which is, if you really think about it, if you came in, I want to say from 2000 to about 2005, 2006, we were not worrying about manning like we are now. Right. Like, like, so, yeah. so you were doing your job, right? Like you came in. Yeah. That you still went and do DCPO. If you need to, you still went FSA or cranking, like we used to call it back then, uh, mm-hmm. which I did, mm-hmm. but we were completely manned. It was a DDG and we had 336 people. Now, most DDG are between 270 to 280, if that, you know, so when you take that, you know, when you add that burning or having less people, but you still have all the responsibility, the DDGs today are doing the same things that they were doing back then. You had your line handlers, you had your unrep, you had, you know, like I said, your DCPO, your, your FSA, you, you know, 3M, like you still have all those things. I don't care how many, how many, how modern the equipment is, you still have to do all these things. So to go back to your question, I think it was, it was such an amazing command to me because you didn't have that burden of, of being on demand. 
Uh, we were actually trained, which is another thing. We were back then ships were not going out to sea as much. Um, and, and as often, and, and we didn't have those heavy rotations. So, so people were trained, right? Cause we went out to sea to do training, not just to deploy. So you put all that together and, and, it, it was like that perfect scenario, right? When I, when I look back and I, and I look now and my last deployment in 17, and although I did it in a carrier, I could see the sailors being completely stressed compared to mm-hmm. how I was back then. Yeah. So I get my, my question for you is this, I remember my first day, like pulling up, like my dad, he drove me to the ship, right? Norfolk station in Norfolk in the ship. Like uh, the pier was the biggest thing in the world to me. Like I've never seen, Nothing like this before. Never been to, now. You know now I walk up here and it's like hunky, like the same. You know hunky dory. But like when I first went to a ship, it was the biggest, biggest the biggest the world. Tra- you know at the time like the World Trade Center. Like I've never seen anything this big. I walk up on a ship. The fumes were something I've never smelled before. The the uh, ladder wells just like yo, what are these? Like how can I walk through these? You know and. And I remember my first thought, right? This was my thought initially. I signed up for six because I got the bonus, right? But I'm going to find a way to do four and I'm going to get out and become a music superstar, right? That was my my goal as an E1, right? What was yours when you first, what was your innocent E1 goal? So I, I was one of those that was very lucky. I was very in a lot of conversations with my sponsor. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, which by the way, this is a quick, funny story back then your orders did not have a, a sex attached to it. Right. So mm-hmm. although she was Latina, like me, they thought I was a female. And although I talked to her over the phone, I guess my voice was not <laughs> as deep as it is today. <laughs> they, they had my rack and the female birthing by oh, the way. Man. So, um, but anyway, when I talked to her a lot and she gave me a lot of information in the sense of what's going to come next, you know, within security, right? No, 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 no offset, but what was going to come next? What was expected of me? Like I already knew going in, you know, I had to stand watches and what kind of watches we did or whatever. But to your point though, everything seemed so grand as I was walking. Like mm-hmm. you said, the pier was huge, you know, uh, getting to the quarter deck and like seeing, you know, a, a first class and, and as the OOD and then a Lieutenant JG is standing there, uh, as well. And I think because it was later on, on, on the evening when I, when I landed and I, and she picked me up and I got there, like the CDO was waiting, you know, cause that's who they, you know, admin is not there anymore. So that's how they muster you, you know, like, so it was like yeah. so grand, so many people waiting for me and I'm just this little E1, like, just like <laughs> with a C back on me. And, <laughs> and sweating because I'm wearing my, my dress whites and I'm just like, I, I don't know where to go. And, um, and everything, like you said, everything was magnified. The, the fumes, the, the smell of the birthing was something to get used to. Um, remember when I went to radio and then going in and I was freezing down in there, you yeah, know, cause that's how we cold. keep it as ITs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, so, so it was so many emotions, but for me, so to, to go back as far as what I wanted, I was like, this is what I signed in for. But, and my goal was four years, because I only mm-hmm. signed in for four, use the money for college that they gave me, uh, and then go to college after I did my four years. So it was more like, hey, let's hit it. I got four years to do the best that I can, but this is not a lifetime thing. 
you know? Yeah. So when it's done, it's done. I'm going to do it yes. while I do it, do it to the best of my ability. But when it's done, it's, it's done. done. That's Seaman uh, Ponciano. Right? <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, damn, I had a, a, another. Oh, I got a funny story too, man, about when What's I up? came in, man. Like, I don't know if I told this. I don't think I told this on a pod before, man. But when I got to San Diego, man, like I drove. So I had me a little, I, had, I well, I ain't drive. I got um, my brother, them, they drove me to the airport. I'm from, I'm from a little town. Well, I went from Mississippi. We don't mm. have a big airport. So I had to go all the way to, to, to Jackson, <laughs> right? Mississippi. So when I get to Jackson, I fly over, right? I fly over. And um, I get to San Diego, and I don't have my record. <laughs> no orders, no nothing. I mean, I don't have no orders or yeah. nothing with me, right? So not only I'm E1, don't know what the hell going on, I ain't got no orders. And on top of that, my shit oh, was mm. underway. Oh, shit. So, and it was on the, on the way for like, I think two weeks it was going on the way. So I didn't know where to go. I didn't go nowhere. So went to the, the MA, went through the little, you know how you walk in San Diego, you walk in the front. Talk to the guy right there. I said, hey, man, I don't have this. I don't have that. They, man, the quarter, I guess the base, you know, uh, I don't know, the SDO or whatever, came and got me. Came, got me, talked to me. They didn't know if I was UA. <laughs> they didn't know anything. So I end up, they end up putting me in restricted barracks. Oh, bags. my God. <laughs> and I pretty much stayed, uh, I stayed in restricted barracks, uh-huh. open bay. I <laughs> do the whole thing until my ship came back and got me, man. That was that's crazy, man. I remember that's, that just yeah, like yesterday, sick, man. man. Left my order, and the only reason why I got I kind of got away. They, it was two weeks. I probably did like three or four days there until uh, my brother them actually found a way to send me. And you know, back then I came in in ninety eight, so back then you ain't, it wasn't that easy to get that yeah, paper nope. to me. You know what I mean? So it took a while for them to. And then you know, Mississippi <laughs> already. You know, take a little <laughs> shit, crazy, figure that man. shit out. But yeah, man. It was so crazy. the cold, right? Um, the schedule was pretty fast paced when you got there. I guess y'all were, cause if y'all were going on deployment in August, right. Mm-hmm. And you got there in March and y'all had a com two X right before deployment. Y'all had a, a hell of a schedule before deployment with the workups and everything. Right. Oh yeah. So, so if, if the cycle back then com two X was like the culmination, like boom, mm-hmm. you do com two X and literally we came back and it was time to go on, on your leave, you know, before deployment, the, the two, periods of leaves to, to go. Right. And, uh, unfortunately as a, as little E1, I took some leave on my way to the ship. So I had none. Uh, so I had to stay and I lived on the ship, something that we all had to do back then. Um, and, uh, yeah, but it, it, and again, and maybe some of that is age and the things that you want to remember, right? Like I don't recall being as busy as, it is today. Right. So even, even when the sections were, you know, three sections, because, you know, you got the palm periods, um, it, it, it would just, we did our job. Right. And we did stuff. I also feel, and, and, you know, as a, as a leader now, uh, some, some people might not like this, uh, back then we used to do what was required. We just did not invented things and taskings just mm. to keep us busy. Mm. Right. So talk to them. Uh, yeah. So, so ITSR Ponciano will work his full day, whatever I had to do, but it was because it was work to do. If it wasn't work to do, then I didn't have to work all day. Right. And I, I had an amazing LPO that to this day, I look up to him. He went uh, LDO and he retired as a commander. 
um, the guy was sharp, but he also cared about people in the sense of, you know, we're going to do the job. We're going to do it well, but I also want you to decompress mm-hmm. and whatever it was that was, as long as you did it the proper way and not get in trouble, he was all for it. So, uh, I, that's one of the many things I kept from him as I, as I gotten into my rank, into the ranks and stuff. So. Yeah. And I can't lie that IT life on the, uh, I was on a CG and we was on the DDG later though. But as a young seller on a CG, that IT life looked good. And I was looking at the ITs like yeah, I, I'm an EM. So I, you know, I got to do maintenance up there and it's cold. Y'all chilling. It used to be, I hope I ain't snitching on nobody, but they used to have like, uh, what, what, what is it? Uh, hand, like can it, like, uh, like, Hammocks, yeah, hammocks. they said hammocks, hammocks like laid out, yeah, go to sleep. Man. Hey, man. You know, Cause y'all gotta be up there. Exactly. We gotta stay. Yeah, I was yeah, just about to up. say, we gotta yeah, be yeah, up. It's 24 yeah, 7, right? Um, yeah, and, and another thing, too, again, and I, we go to Manning back then because of the Manning and because of the 24 7, we didn't stand quarter day watches unless we wanted to. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have to deal with that either, right? Yeah. Uh, although I will say for my LPO, again, things that he did that, that I look back now that maybe we didn't quite understand back then, but we're just trying to make us more competitive and make us better. He will get us qual though. He will make us get qual. And and then when the duty section and for whatever reason you went on leave and now they only have, you know, three messages of the watch and they actually need four. So that way you don't have to give someone a double watch. Then boom, I will stay in watches. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I was qual, but any other day, if we were fully manned, those ITs were staying in radio uh, yeah, twenty four seven. But yeah. you know, we survived down there. So, but but so this is also yeah. just a big learning process for you. Period. Because not only are you like a few years removed from moving into the country, right? Yes. You joined the military in ninety nine, which is a melting pot at this point of a whole bunch of people. You know, and culture was like for, like nowadays for me, for instance, like well, like younger people, our cultures are like more intertwined than. 99, like 99 yes. hip the hip hop culture, for instance, in 99 was like completely separate from like punk rock or which was completely separate. Now everything is kind of meshed. Right. So like people do the same thing, like all the young people got TikTok and they all do the same thing. It don't matter if they country, it don't matter if they urban, it don't matter where you're from, you kind of doing the same challenges or whatever. At this, at this time of your life though, you're like brand new, um, to America. I remember my friends that were like new to America in 07. And like, in order for me to, I think I talked about it on here, but they like, Hey, like, how do I talk? Like what the fuck is going on in America? I'm like, yo, here's a couple movies. I give them 40 year old version. Um, I give them knocked up. I give them a bunch of Judd Apatow movies and I'd be like, watch these. And then they came out of it just cursing more than anybody else on the ship or whatever. But they was like, yo, this is America, right? This pop culture, this is America. This is what y'all talking about. So as much as I want to get to October 12th, right? I do want to get to October, yeah. October 12th uh, so much, but I feel like we're at like somewhere between March, August and October. And I want to know for you as a E1 new to America, new to the ship, getting to meet all these people. Um, just how are things, did you go cranking before or FSA, whatever we want to call it? Did you do this before October? Uh, so I did. And, um, my clumsy self was trying to go down a few decks to go work out. And I didn't, 
I wasn't holding to the ladder correctly. And you know those um, DC helped me out here where you 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 the clips for clips. to for, you know to for the hatches. One of them got in my knee, and I had you to know, get like sure. pretty bad stitches. And so I didn't, mm. they replaced me from cranking because I was in the wardroom. So I had to go from the galley all the way to the wardroom, like bring up food and things like that. So I had to be up and down the ladder. So they took me off. Um, and later on, I'll tell you a little bit more once we talk about the 12, but that had an impact on someone else that I, I regret, right? Uh, because that person passed away because he was in the galley in my spot. Yeah, um, I was I was about to ask you that. Why are you, you supposed know. to be cranking yeah. on October? That's what I was about to ask you. All right, so before we get to October, um, I want to do a do better segment. Um, Damon, do you got anything to, anything for the do better segment before I go? Because I, I th- um no no go ahead. I mean, <laughs> you had brought up some earlier about like. I was bringing up about this this sixteen hundred emergency, but you kind of touched on it earlier. My my do better was like we always got these sixteen hundred emergencies always be happening right now, and we kind of touched a little bit earlier. But um, I'm, I'm interested. My, my yours, do man. better has to do with the cold, right? So um, I went through uh, boot camp in 07. So this is seven years removed uh, at this point. Well, six and some change, right? Because it's March. But um, we learn about you know, we learned about uh, the cold. And as a young sailor who was, I didn't know about anything that happened on a cold until I joined the Navy and went to boot camp and started learning. Like, it didn't seem to be kind of like drilled into us as kids in high school. I was in high school when when all of this happened, right? Probably the ninth grade, because I was in 10th grade when uh, September 11th happened. But um, it completely missed my television screen, my classroom, like everything, right? And so I think another entity should have done better too as far as like the the way the reports and responses and stuff like that, but I I I I know we'll get into that later. But I want to say that the young me as a seller, I should have done better um and kind of learning more about like our culture as as a military and like really appreciating this this thing because before we get into it too much, I do want to say we lost 17 shipmates. I'm sure did. You know, that day. We lost 17 shipmates that day. And um, again, it was like, I looked at it like it was like Greek mythology. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a story, you know? And we lost 17 shipmates and that was it. You know, I didn't think about uh, the life on that ship. I didn't think about chicken quesadilla, chicken fajitas, right? I didn't think about... Uh, that morning before, I didn't think about uneasy feelings before de- deployment. I didn't think about uh, how we're going to respond the day after the day after what happened, people sleeping outside. I didn't think about any of this stuff. All I knew is, it, you know, this is trigger warning. All I knew is it was a hole on a ship and we lost sellers. And now we were in battle stations doing an event. How do I pass this event? I did not think about the actual life and the actual soul that's in what happened on a USS Cole. Um, so young sailors, um, just think about it. You know, when we talk about history and we, we do these uh, heroes of the week and stuff like that, we do it for a reason. 
because these these are real people just like us, you know. And part of the reason why we talked uh, with Amari for the last thirty minutes about who he was when he first joined the Navy is because, like, we're all just that person. We're we're all that E one that came from another country that's just trying to figure out America and a ship, you know, at the same time or whatever. And then these things happen. And then like, how, how, just, you know, how do we respond? What's the human aspect? How many people are tired? How many people want to leave? Um, and I don't want to get too, too, you know, too deep, um, into it before we, (laughs) before we get started, you know, I want us to, you know, get started. So, um, I'm gonna tell you a little bit of, of, of what I know, Amari, and, okay. and please, you know, correct me. Uh, October 12th, 2011, 18, right? Life changes on board a DDG for 336 sellers. Um, captain, um, so Suppo, y'all, y'all had just finished refueling, right? That's correct. Just finished refueling. Um, now, right now, at this moment, as an E1, how much of this stuff do you understand? You understand where, where you on watch for refueling? So I understood because as a E1 and, and a destroyer, you are part of every evolution. So, <laughs> you know, uh, so I was yeah. part of the, 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 um, you know, seeing anchor as we were going in. Right. Uh, so as we coming into Aiden and Yemen, we notice, and this is a video uh, that someone took, and it's still, I think they posted it to YouTube uh, at some point, where they're taking, you know, they're recording, because they did it in every port that we went to, and as you're going into the harbor, you're seeing like four or five ships that are sunk in the harbor, mm. right? Okay. Most of them look military, right? So I think there were Yemenese military, but it was still sunk, and it just like, it, it, Right away, you had a little bit unnerving, right? That's not something normal to see as you're going into a harbor and to another foreign country. And yeah, we're in the Middle East. Let's just be real. Like, like even though there was nothing as 9-11 back then or, or even the uh-huh. coal, like, you know, we were still, you know, we still had some sort of a higher level of posture um, uh-huh. as we were going in. Uh, so we went in and, and you know, we, we docked it. And uh, the best way I could explain it is uh, think about kind of like a, like a, a, a U, right? It's a, and and, and the, the ship was facing towards land. So if anything happened and we had to like move, we were just going to go aground because we were going to be mm-hmm. straight to land. So as we were pulling in, the CEO made a request um, or told them to move the ship uh, to where we were facing out, uh, mm-hmm. which then meant that the pier that we were refueling was in the starboard side instead of being in the port side, uh, which then has other ramifications. But at that moment, it was just simply as later on, uh, as I read his book and then later on, just talking to other that were in the meeting, uh, was simply as I, if anything happens, I want to be able to get underway right away. Um, mm-hmm. so for me, we did, uh, as a CN anchor, we started refueling and the one MC comes over and I think it was the XO. And, uh, he said that we were refueling extremely fast and that we were going to mm-hmm. set C and anchor again, um, to just leave. Cause, uh, at first when we were pulling in and we were supposed to be there for like four or five hours, uh, we got yeah. there at nine and we were already done by like 1100. 
You know? Yeah, y'all actually had to throttle down on the pressure. Yes, uh, to get less, you know, less pressure. Okay. Yeah. So and I know. So I'm sorry. So like, as far as I knew, I knew we did see an anchor. We're refueling, mm-hmm. and then I got to go eat chow uh, because we're about to go and and set sea and anchor again. So do you remember? Was this like normal chow time, or y'all kind of modified chow time so you could set sea and anchor? It was. Again? It was still kind of chow time, but um, it was. Think about it. You know, the do early chow. Just think about doing early chow for for watch relief fifteen minutes cool. earlier than the, yeah. the, the usual. So if they usually do it at eleven hundred, that time they did it at ten forty five. Okay. So then CO CO pretty much said because I read you know the book as well. CO pretty much says that he wasn't trying to offload trash in this port. Just want to get back underway. Um, and that matters. That matters so much to me in this story, right? CEO did not want to offload trash. Uh, Suppo kind of pushed it, right? Uh, CEO initially said, no, nah, we're not going to do it. Um, Suppo comes back with XO. Um, and CEO like, all right, you know, let's, let's offload trash, right? And so when you decide to offload trash, and then that means you expect more of whatever the facilities are that, you know, have to offload trash. In this case, it's boats that have to come uh, pick up trash or whatever. So CO decides to offload trash. Um, and then, so that there just put me in a perspective of, I used to get so frustrated, right? Because I'm going to just kind of incorporate, you know, before we really get into it, I'm going to incorporate some things that I think about today. But I remember being on a ship and asking a CO a question, right? And just feeling like the CO could just say yes, like could make like a snap damn decision. Like, yo, captain, like, just say, yes, you're a captain. Just do this. Right. But, um, it just made me think about when captains make last minute decisions, like how much weight is in that decision and not necessarily like to at the fault of the captain, but the captain got to think about that. Like, and I'm sure after things like the coal captains take all of that into consideration, like, yo, Let's just stick with my first mind. Let's let's go. I because I used to be man, these captains, they don't want to take risk. And I know you probably thought like that too. Oh, before absolutely. Sometime, right? I mean, even yeah, even like, now, as you know, my last deployment as senior chief, and I'm like, just do it. Like, what? Well, why? Yeah, why? Why, like, why, are we, why are we discussing this seven different times? And and you need a PowerPoint for this. Like, I'm you know. So I completely agree with you. Like, it, we don't we don't think about the us that there are CEOs that don't have every single because every every decision that happens on that ship goes back to that that CEO. No matter what we do, yeah. even if it's me or you that decide to do something that we were not supposed to do, ultimately they're gonna look at him or her as the commanding officer. And sometimes we lose sight of that, right? Like we just, hey, sir, uh let's just go all off. Why is it such a big deal to go all off? Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> we gotta do maintenance. You yeah. knew it we're gonna we had to do maintenance. But it just it has to be a process because he he or she has to look at everything. Um, and I'm glad that you put it in that perspective compared to like what how the story went. Yeah, that matters so much. Yeah. And, and you gotta remember too, it only take one time, right? You can make a million decisions, nothing happens, right? But only that one time, then you you start thinking about, you know, every yep. decision you yeah. make now. You know, it's it's just a every accident too. is like the perfect mixture of a bunch of things that went a little bit weird. Like, yo, on this day, I would normally do this, but I just happened to do this, then this happened, then this happened. But, um, all right, Omari, it's time to talk about it. So, 11-18, October 12, 2000. Um, just where were you 
What was your experience? Um, how did that day play out for you? So I was uh, standing on midships. Um, it was on the, I was on the starboard side and I was online to go uh, get chow. I remember very vividly, uh, you know, there's some things I'm, you know, as I'm guess I get older mm-hmm. and, and things that, that I don't remember, you know, detail by detail, but I do remember certain things that, that will never escape me. And one of them was there was this um, seaman, uh, IT, ITSN, Guana, and there was also a seaman, a deck seaman, uh, IT, um, seaman Wiberly, who wanted to be in IT and was getting training by me in seaman Guana and radio. So we, all three of us come up and, you know, they say early child for, you know, for watch or leave in this case for sea and anchor pretty much. And they say, Hey, let's go in front of the line. Cause you know, we got the next watch or we were about to go and see an anchor. And I remember saying that, you know, I'm an IT. Nobody believes that we have the next watch. I'm just going to, you know, stay, <laughs> stay back here. Um, and I was standing, if you, if you, if you remember, if you look at, think of a, about a repair locker uh, and a DDG, I was just standing in midships right by repair five, mm. you know, and I was talking to uh, a female and all of a sudden this, extremely loud noise and the the ship shook from what i was told of course i couldn't see it from the outside Mm -hmm. but from the recounts of people that saw it from the outside the ship came off the water and back down um 10 feet right and that impact made me move towards that i actually bumped into the the girl that i was talking to and then i hit myself in in the bulkhead and the first thing that came to my mind is the pier blew up, the, the refueling pier. But then I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm standing in the starboard side, and this is where we're refueling. So I should be dead if that happened. As all this is going through my head, you could see the fire, smoke. I, I don't try to make light of it, but like the movies, when it's heading towards, you know, the person in the movie where the screen and you see the smoke and the fire coming yeah. towards to that person. That's what it looked like to me. Um, and then my first instinct is not go to GQ station, not do what I was trained was save yourself. Right. Like, I mean, I'm 19 years old, you know, and I want to go top, top, you know, outside so I could be, you know, smoke, you know, be able to, to breathe. And as I'm heading back aft, and a bunch of us are heading that way, the XO is coming from back aft, and he's saying, stay in the skin of the ship because we don't know if they have snipers and go to your general, uh, you know, GQ station. We've been hit. Um, mm. and at that moment, then that's when I snapped and I was like, okay, let me go to radio. Cause radio was my GQ station. Um, I head down to radio and my chief is already there. And this it one and it two. And she looks at me and she says, I have an alpha and a Bravo, uh, you know, alpha and bravo means we'll have the two sides of the of the main safe if we need to do, go to emergency destruction because that's our duty as ITs. If the ship is going to sink, which was mm-hmm. what our fear was, then destruction has to happen. Um, so she was like, "Go to your old repair locker." Um, I, I used to be in repair too, uh, forward. Um, but because I, I got qualified, I remember telling my LPO, what do I need to do to get out of the repair locker? And he said, uh, <laughs> get, get fully qualified on radio. And for a seaman, 
I was up to like the very last qualification before I was a supervisor. Um, just because I didn't want to be in, in a repair locker. Uh, mm-hmm. But I still was trained in repair locker. So I went to repair two and they had um they had an officer there and he was directing everybody to go back after repair three because that became like the central damage control spot. Um so from there I'm heading back again and now I'm going through the same area that I was just standing and now you can see the hole the you know the 40 by 60 feet hole just cables sparkling all over the place and smoke is clearing the smoke so like you can see because it's coming the hole is so big that the smoke is leaving the ship so you could see all the metal and and the sparks and you know blood and and, and things like that and um again if you think about a destroyer you have after you go in the mess decks and you go to the scullery, there's like there's like a small little part that is like a the p way between the scullery and actually hitting the main p way of the the starboard side, and there was a body there, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know, uh, the curiosity just got to me, and it was covered with a blanket, and I get on my knees, and I lift it up, and it was um, a single man seaman. Uh, gun, and the only reason why I recognize him is because of his name tag, uh, because he has so much metal and things in his body that his whole body was swollen, like you couldn't recognize his face. And I lost it. I just started crying. Uh, the 19 year old came out of me. I just wanted to go home. I wanted to be around my mother. I mean, I didn't have no kids at the time. I wasn't married, so. Uh, the most important person in my life, which she, she still is, is my mother, right? And and I was crying, and um, I just I just kept saying I want to go home. And someone tapped me. I don't remember who it was. They didn't say a name, and they said, uh, "He's dead. We have to save ourselves and the ship." Mm-hmm. And some people might say that sound cold because he was like, he's dead, you know, like move on kind of thing. But it, it clicked on me. Like I still cried. I still had tears in my eyes, you know, runny nose, but I got up and headed back to, uh, repair three. Once I got there, they literally were just using people to, Hey, you take, you two take this P 100 and, and, and go put it in this space so we could get the water out and you go to this other compartment you bring those those uh, uh broomsticks to to help with the injure uh or you grab literally buckets to go to other the compartments to throw water out and for like the next hour and a half that's all i was doing i was more like of a messenger uh, we need you here we need you to grab here this you need you need you i need you to help bring this body to CCS because that's where they were putting all the injures um, mm-hmm. and even the people that, that were about to die. And then as I go to CCS, that's when I see Seaman Weberly, uh, the guy that I was just training 30 minutes ago. And um, Doc was just giving him some morphine just so he could die peacefully um, because he also had so many injuries and he was all swollen again. It was a lot of metal inside of him. And, uh, the next two hours, man, it was, it was truly a blur, you know, it just simply go here, go there. A few things that I want to highlight, though, is 
before the refueling and why we weren't, uh, before refueling, we were doing drills, right? As you are out to sea. And we were setting GQ in like 12, 13, 14 minutes, just completely on sad, right? So much mm-hmm. so that the CEO, I think one day we did GQ like nine times and, you know, try to set zero on time. He was just pretty upset. Mm-hmm. I remember those days. Uh, but that day, with all that chaos, we said zero within like five minutes. Mm. You know, and I bring that up to say that we were trained constantly, right? And and, and even my last deployment as a senior chief, I, I even wonder. Not, I don't say, I didn't say it to all the sailors, but I said it to myself: Why are we doing this again? Even going through the cold, even after even experiencing mm-hmm. the cold. But one thing I could tell sailors and anybody that wants to listen to this, because I think it applies to a lot of things in life, just not just training, muscle memory is very underrated because Mm. we were able to say zebra that quickly. We were able to do the things that we did because we were constantly doing drills. We were constantly training. So, you know, DC2 didn't have to tell me how to grab the hose because I knew how to grab the hose. I knew how to make that P100 work, right? Because I'd done it before, you know, and it's because I did it so many times. So for those, like I said, two to three hours, which felt like an eternity, to be honest, um, it was just a constant of moving here. And then whenever we would feel like things were kind of settling someone will scream flooding in this department, this compartment, because again, we didn't have the one MC. Uh, one of the lessons that was learned from the coal was to have redundancy of the one MC. Cause back then there was only one area as far as where the one MC was. And when the bomb, it went away, it, it was destroyed. And so it would think was were done mostly by word of mouth and the old phones that we had, uh, back in those days. Uh, um, and, yeah, I remember like kind of slowing down a few hours later. And then that's when I, the curiosity of like, let's see where people were at. Like as I was going and doing things, I remember we'll be like, oh, there's IT2. There is so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's alive. She's alive. Or oh, he's injured, but he's alive, you know? And uh, there was a couple of people that I couldn't find. And then uh, me and, and this OS2 Smitty, uh, OS3 at the time. We decided to go to where the like the main area of the bombing, um, and we went, and we were, you know, the 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 master chief, the CMC's office is right there in that P way, and I the 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 floor only went like a couple of feet after the the the, the office, and we were like literally like hanging on to that last step to look into like because you could see like the decks because of the explosion, mm-hmm. you could still see like a deck below it and the one below. And, uh, unfortunately that's when you, you saw a couple of bodies in there and including, uh, Seaman McDaniels, uh, it type, which he was the one that replaced me from FSA. Um, and, uh, he was, uh, he was having some issues and he, he wasn't in the wardroom anymore. They brought him down to work in the galley. Um, and, uh, unfortunately he, uh, he passed away. So, um, yeah, it was just, uh, the, the, the things that I, that I got to hear, like, 
you know, like Doc saying to, to other people, like, Hey, I'm just going to give this person morphine. Cause it just, there's nothing else I could do or, yeah. or hear, you know, Hey, did you, did you hear the BMC has a broken leg yet? He's fully done in the, in the fire party. And he's the first one in the fire party. Um, or hear about Chang, uh, telling one of the teams that they had to close that they have to close the hatch, even though there was two bodies that they were still breathing. Cause you could see bubbles mm -hmm. in the, in the, in the water, but it was either close that space or the ship might sink. Um, you know, it, it's, it's tough to, to understand those things as a, as a 19 year old. Right. Um, but I will say this is like, we all went through it. Like, you know, and then I saw so many things that, that I took with me, like from, you know, Seaman Taylor, who was an OS Seaman telling orders to a whole uh, group of people, uh, to a young officer in a corner crying because he didn't know what to do. Right. Like that just, mm -hmm. it just, that's where your personalities also come. Cause you can have training too. Right. And, and. I'm not trying to get political here, but we, we seen the videos of the cops that then go into the high school, right. into that school in Texas, mm -hmm. right. Um, they have training yet. A bunch of them did not go in. Right. Yeah. Happens. So yeah. It, it also goes on about personality, right. About what, what's in you. And I, I got to see that, man. I got, I didn't do nothing heroic, man. I, I tell you that right now. I didn't, I did what I was told to do. I did a scare. Um, but I did see a lot of people making decisions and, and doing things that, that I look back today and I'm just like, wow, I was an odd back then. But now, like when I, when I knew the ramification as I get older and I have a better appreciation on life as a whole, and I'm like, mm -hmm. BMC with a broken leg is still going down the ladders and then fully man. This is when we had the, the old, uh, OBAs as it wasn't even the, the, the school. And we're talking mm -hmm. about the heavy joints, like, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. here he is. Stummy. Yes. Yeah. Here he is. He didn't care. Right. And, and that's the thing that I take from that, man. Yeah. So only a few of us know what we'll do in those moments. You know, as well, like, you, I, I'm sure you, like, learn a lot about who you are. Like, no matter how, you know, long you've been in or um, whatever your rank is. Because I, I did see that where it was, like, um, junior sailors, even junior engineers that were, like, more familiar with the plant are, like, telling chiefs, like, hey, you know, this is how we, you know, realign water. Or this is how we, you know, get, you know, water out of the space you know, and stuff like that. But one of the things I do want to touch on that you said was you said three hours felt like an eternity, right? Um, and the crazy thing about that is it was like 13 days of effort that y'all put in even after the three hours. So where did you sleep that night? So that night um, we tried a couple of times like to sleep in the, in the birthings. Um, but I think two of them started getting water in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. So we got to the point that everybody was just like, F that we're just going to sleep outside. So there's pictures again out there where we just slept in the, in, in the flight deck or in the missile deck or anywhere that it was outside on the ship. Mind you, 
standing watches because we had people in the 50 cows and, and, you know, looking after each other. Right. Cause you know, we still having the threat that there might be people outside that were just waiting for us to come out and just mm-hmm. snipe us, you know, one by one kind of thing. Uh, cause we didn't, we didn't know, like, you know, we, we, at, at that moment, we're thinking it's something that Yemen did, like the country itself. So like everybody, yeah. it's us against the world. That's another thing too, that, that, that mentality, us against the world was there. Thankfully, it was not about hate. It was not just necessarily like just words. It was like, this is all we got. We got each mm-hmm. other. So we have to do, if that means you got to stand watch, even though you've been up all day fighting, then you will do that. Someone will relieve you. And, and I, I'm gonna keep it honest with you. I mean, there was people manding certain things that it was literally, you got call in that moment. I taught yeah. you how to do that right now, and now you're gonna stand that watch. Yeah, so we, we we're like we're like bare bones, and I and I'm gonna get into that too a little later. But one of the thing that you know you talk about you know finding somewhere to sleep, um, but it's also another thing I'm thinking about with expectancy is like food. Y'all pretty much lost a lot of food, Spoiling. right? Like for like yeah, subs- oh yeah substance like so, so we we had the ship store. Whatever's in the ship store, that's what we ate for the first, I want to say, 36 hours. It was mm-hmm. Stinker Bar, Gatorade. Me and you had to share a Gatorade because there's only so many, right? It's just a small ship store. It's a, it's a DDG, mm-hmm. you know. And thankfully, we had, like, very stocked ship store and the 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 storage of the ship store that was, like, right in next to it and nothing happened and there was more stuff there. But we were eating whatever was in the ship store. Because everything yeah. else was gone. Um, so much so that the Yemenis, they try to bring us food uh, like the next day. And again, we just so scared of what else could be yeah, here. Yeah, we, didn't, yeah. uh, we didn't want it. It was from like their five-star hotel and we still did not eat it. Yeah, yeah I wasn't. We, we, were yeah. Not, we did not want it. Um, thankfully, uh, there was a British ship that didn't care about the politics, right? And came and you know help us out until we finally had our one of our own i think it was on the third day that the uss uh, donald cook uh was mm-hmm. able to help and then we had the fast team from the marines and they came to stand on watch and i got to give it to the marines man they trained so much it was finally because by, back then if you think about it we were not at war back then 9-11 hadn't happened yet so we were not we were at peace at that time so all these marines been training for all these years just to train so when they came on board, man, they took over all the 50 cows and then they added more watches and they had more and they did not play. man. And by then we started feeling a little more comfortable. This is by day three now, though, you know, like. Yeah. So like the first 48, man, uh, it was rough. It was it was just us, man. Not, ain't nobody thinking about shower. I'm, I'm not trying to be nasty. I'm just the reality of it. You yeah. Know? Well, yeah. And I was going to talk about that, you too, because. These are things people don't think, but these are things that when we talk, like, again, these are things young me, uh, reading a story about the cold, I'm not thinking about people getting diarrhea, um, like no food sustenance, um, people not washing up. Now you're dealing with like intolerable, you know, smells. And plus like, it's a, you don't trust the water, right? CO didn't trust. At some point, you know, I read the story where the CO pretty much said, let's not use the water and then he go down to engineering and they got a fresh pot of coffee brewing and he's like, what happened? Did y'all allow him potable water? And they like, 
yes, sir. We, we figured out a way. And then the captain, like, so how did that feel when y'all finally found out that, how long did y'all go without showers? I, I want to say it was, uh, again, it was, it, it seemed like everything started, it's a blur. everything started like going around by like the third day. It was like the mm-hmm. third day was like very pivotal on like everything started like, okay, uh, we're getting food, we're getting help from other ships, we're getting the fast team. Like, um, but yeah, like, I mean, even again, water was just simply like the bottle of waters that we had in the ship store, crazy, man. you know? Um, crazy. and so think about all that, not able to eat, you're not eating enough food. It's 120 mm-hmm. degrees. Cause we're in Yemen as hot as you know what? I mean, we're talking about hot all the way into like midnight. It's like blazing hot. Right. Yeah. Um, and you talk about all these different things and yet um, the decision came that we had to do colors. So I bring this mm. up because at that moment, I want to say 50% of the crew, which was pretty young, was like, what are we doing? Why are we even worrying about doing colors? Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember asking one of the chiefs, and uh, he simply said, "Is we got to show him that this flag will fly no matter what's going on. Mm-hmm. That we will still hold as much of a being in the military as possible. Because we could, you know, relax our coveralls and we could just be in like our white shirts and just tied up our coveralls or whatever. But when it was time for colors, we had to put the coveralls back on and all that stuff. So again, as a young 19-year-old who just don't want to just want to go home, I'm not eating right. I'm not sleeping right. I'm hot. I don't want to do colors. I, you know, like I don't, I don't want to think about yeah. that. So to put my coverall back on just so I could salute the flag or whatever, you know, I don't want to sound disrespectful right now, but that's just the, the true reality of what I was feeling at that time. And I can tell you right now, I wasn't. Yeah, I'm more. sure a lot mm-hmm. of the ship, yeah. you know. But to put it in that perspective, I didn't say a word after that. Mm-hmm. I actually was proud that we were doing it. You know that. So radio, right? Something y'all didn't have power. Y'all didn't have power yep. either, right? Because at some point, nope. we got a brand new EMC. I think we had a brand new EMC that just. Well, you guys had a brand new EMC that just made chief. Um, so like we were trying to rig casualty power from aft like damon they trying to rear casualty power all the way from back aft to radio right mm-hmm. so they they tried it but we had some grounds in the system so you know uh we couldn't uh rig it because of because of the grounds but y'all didn't have any power in radio no we didn't and and thankfully um we always have this phone that is able to make phone calls mm-hmm. no matter where we are in the world and that's how the CEO was able to communicate yeah. to the White House, to, to, you know, higher authorities, like, hey, we got bombed because we were, we didn't have any communications, Yeah. which another was another lesson learned, you know, like redundancy as far as power for radio and things like that. Um, but yeah, we didn't have any. And then um, like a couple of days later, we had these cell phones were brought up for us. So I was going to ask you about that. People could call their family. I was going to ask you about that. You know, so you could call and, 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 you know, because people dumb like me didn't update their page two before they left on deployment. Mm-hmm. So my mom never got a phone call. She's seeing the news 
Because, you know, I sent her a picture of the coal when we were in Malta and you could see you could see that big DDG 67. Yeah. So she's seeing the same literally almost the same picture in CNN. And it's like there's a bomb. This happened. And she didn't know. And the Navy could not communicate to her for three days until I call and say I'm alive. And because, yeah, because this was before cell phones were like super popular. Right. I think the iPhone yep. came out in like 07. So this was, yeah, it, it, it was an iPhone. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, I think, uh, Nokia, uh, cell phones back yeah. then, like that, that kind of, and it was like three of them and everybody had three minutes to talk to Cause I, us as it, they gave it to us and we had to like literally stand watch and have a log and it'd be like, Hey, you know, and you couldn't make a second phone call until everybody yeah. went through. You know? How did so, that feel to finally get the phone call? I was numb, brother. Like I, I, I was like a machine. Like I, I, I couldn't even say much to my mother. Like I, I didn't have no emotions at that moment. I would just simply, she's like, "How you doing?" And I'm like, "I'm okay. I'm alive." Yeah. And she's like, "Did you, did you hurt?" And I'm like, "No, I'm, I'm okay." You know. And I, I had like, you know, it was like three or five minutes, something like that, or to that range that you could talk. And I think I only talked for like a minute. I just did not want to face the reality of like going into details or, or the fact that I knew I had to hang up and I'm going to still be in that situation. Yeah. I, I just did not want to deal with that. I was just simply, I'm, I'm alive. Let, let everybody else know that, you know, I'm okay. I'm not hurt. Um, I'm just tired and hungry and I express those things and I just say, I love you. And I hang up the phone. Yeah. So, so let's go back to the initial three days, right? So mm-hmm. no alarms, Right. We can't trust any of the alarms in engineering. Uh, it's no one MC and no internal phones pretty much at all. So we relying on bare bones, old school, like you said, word of mouth, that kind of communication. Right. So now also the way I'm thinking is like a lot of rates, a lot of jobs, a lot of rank doesn't matter anymore. Right. We Pretty much, my I was watching a video where CMC said I had to go from my CMC hat to pretty much being an HM. Which, which, you think about it, and, and you know, like, like how life might, might have it. It was a blessing because it was he was the extra corpsman. Like yeah. there was so many things going on that the we had. You were in a DDG. You had one corpsman. You had an HMC. You had an HM three. And then they had like a little seaman they wanted to be an HM. Mm-hmm. He didn't count. He was in the deck department. So yeah, the CMC, I saw him more in his function as a corpsman than I saw him as a CMC. Not because he was not present, because mm-hmm. he was dealing with, and at least the first 48, he was dealing with bodies. You were injured. You like some of the things that I told you, like uh, the, the doc said that he just needed morphine. One of them was him. It wasn't the HMC. It was the CMC that, said this person is about mm-hmm. to die so let's just give him you see what i'm saying so he literally took his hat off as the cmc and became the corpsman and then to your point as far as like some rates i mean love my love my os's but we're not going anywhere so what are the os's doing yeah. you know it's like so a lot of us had to fall back into the sense of like you have dc training so you will be either standing watches uh, with, you know, manding any any of the uh, different guns and stuff, or you will be part of engineering. Like engineering and weapons were the, the two things happening. Yep. And then we had us as ITs and a little bit of the, to the side because we had the phones or whatever. 
Um, but I only came after, you know, the third day or whatever. But the first two days, it was literally just defend the ship, whatever we could. So you stood certain watches in the bridge, uh, miss ships and back off, or you were doing DC related stuff. Um, yeah. and, and like for me, I helped the corpsman, um, you know, they requested a couple of the volunteers to, and I don't know why I volunteered, but I did, uh, for those that, that passed away, um, to go through their pockets and, and take out their personal stuff. So I, I help out with that. Um, so that was pretty much the job. So it was either helping the corpsmen's with those that were injured or, or actually dead help with DC stuff or, um, or just be manned up. Uh, yeah. as far as guns and stuff. The, the 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 thing I think about when we think about CMC taking off the CMC hat, you know, and putting on the Corman hat, is like when I really think about it, CMC never really took off the CMC hat. <laughs> CMC did what CMC needed to do as a CMC in that moment. And like you said, it was a blessing that CMC had that, you know, in the toolbox. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. To be able to, to do that, man. Um, that's just... Like always being ready. Cause I think about baby doc, right? I think, well, I think about the young HM that walks out of medical, right? Looking for chief, right? Um, and when I think about the young HM walking out of medical, and this happened, you know, for the listeners, this happened. Like a young HM walks out of medical, like where is HMC? You know, at this moment, not knowing that HMC is up um, topside, like giving morphine to uh, different sellers and stuff like that. But also in the mix of this, we said it was like early child. It's the Chiefs. Did they get locked in the Chiefs mess at some point in time? Some yes, Chiefs? yes. Uh, okay. Because if if you look at the, um, you look at the, the how you know the ship is. The impact was so big, and part of like the whole galley was literally destroyed. So all of that stuff is right next to the Chiefs mess. So all that stuff pushed into the Chiefs mess. Mm-hmm. You know, so there were there were a handful of them that were like trapped. Uh, yeah. there. Um, and you know, they had to find ways to get out and, and I'll mention this. And if anybody heard this story before 2011, when I wasn't a chief yet, they will tell you that I'm saying the same thing I said before that, before I became a chief. Um, I saw a lot of people crying. I saw a lot of people discouraged. I saw a lot of people scared. I didn't see that for anybody, any other chiefs. And I'll tell you why, as I talked to them through the years is they all admitted, yes, we had our moments, but we went somewhere where you guys couldn't see us. Mm. Other chiefs knew who was crying, who was ready to go home, who was yeah. not ready. But us, the crew, I didn't see it. And I was around a lot of them because I was all over yeah. the place, not because I was doing anything great. Just simply, I was the, I was a messenger or one thing or another. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I, it, it's one of the most proudest moment as a chief. Now that I am as a master chief and one that's been wearing khakis for 11 years now, almost 12. Um, I always look back to that. Just two, two, two very, uh, important, uh, things in my life that, that always wanted me to become a chief. One was going to the recruiting office and seeing a, a chief, a gunner's mate wearing the Johnny Cashes with the shiny uh, anchors on the collar. And that uniform to this day is the most flies uniform. I'm fortunate that we got away, with, away from yeah. it. So I wanted to be a chief then. And then seeing the actions of the chiefs 
on the cold. Nobody's perfect. I'm not sitting here and I don't want, you know, if a young sailor's here, oh, here they go. Chiefs talking about chiefs and <laughs> how they just walk yeah. on water. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I didn't see any of that. Maybe if someone else did see them cried or whatever, I just saw a lot of, we need to do this. Like I said, the person that told me why we flying that flag was the chief. Um, so I know a lot more now because once I became a chief, I started asking these questions from all this chief Fair that retired yeah. and some of them were still in at the time. And they share a lot of the, the, the stories with me because they had, P they have PTSD just like I do. So we, we, we share a lot of those things. So, um, yeah, that always stays with me and why I always wanted to wear anchors. Yeah. It's just everything that you're saying just make me think about like at like when, if, if we strip, if we strip like, you know, when you watch like movies, for instance, and they get rid of all technology, uh, everything like what do we have left? Like, how do we survive? Right. And it's like so if we get rid of everything, we fall to whatever it is, like you said, like we fall to our training and whatever it is, our our instinct are our instincts are. And then we get to see people like move and whatever their purpose is. Right. And to hear that about like the chief's mess, you know, that like restores faith and to hear about the junior sellers, it restores faith in me. Sometime a person that sometime, you know, be like, man, we, we wouldn't be ready. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us think like that, man, people today wouldn't be ready for this. If this were happening, you know, and I'm sure people probably thought like that then, you know, but in that moment you see people step up to whatever it is that that purpose are. And that's, that's like magical, you know, that's, that, that that's magical to me. So I saw that question. Uh, so I'm sorry. I saw that question somewhere in the last couple of days about, you know, if conflict happened, if something really pop off, are we ready? And I, my only answer to that person was we might not be ready as far as equipment. We might not be ready even in training. You know, because for an IT, I could tell you a system comes out and we don't have the school for it until like two, two years later. We're so behind. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But as far as people, we're ready. I'm always mm. going to believe that we instill on each other, you know, the very basics and we push each other. And then when you see your brother or your sister having to go through something and they're going through it with you, we will be ready. To whatever equipment that we have, we might not have the capabilities to fight that enemy the same way they fight in us because they might have more capabilities than us, but it's not for lack of trying. So uh, I, I will say that and uh, I might, I might be nostalgic here or, or I'm just trying to, uh, you know, make the Navy sound like the greatest Navy on earth. And I'm, I know we have many flaws, but I feel like because of the people I'm willing to go to fight with any country. Mm -hmm. Damon, you had a question? Yeah, not really a question, man. I was just been just thinking and listening to you guys go uh, back and forth a little bit, man. And when I was thinking about, man, like when it comes to the damage control portion of this, man, like DC and, and fighting fires and flooding and all that, is that every time for the whole world to try to understand this a little bit, like every time we run a drill on a ship, we do a heat stress, right? We got to get make sure everything heat stress, making sure everything is... It's good to go so, you know, when sailors go down there, they don't get overheated and all this type of stuff, right? So I say this because we talk about 120 degrees first off, mm -hmm. right? 120 degrees. Guess what? They going down in and getting it done, right? So 
first off, the cold changed a lot of ways we do things today, mm-hmm. right? And the reason for that is because you got ships that have collisions. You got ships that have all this stuff. But guess what? They are worried about one thing, though. If you have a collision, you probably worry about flooding, right? We talking about the cold, man. We are worried about flooding. We are worried about firefighting. We are worried about people being trapped. Every piece of equipment that damage control have was used um, for the cold. Everything. Yep. Even the P-100. And even the p one hundred. Every single damage control equipment was used for, the, for, for this, right? And it's crazy, man. I mean, and we talking about, I, it had a CN chief that's, I think he retired now, and he was part of the cold crew, and he, he was talking about, he got interviewed, and he was talking about at, some, at whatever type of way, for 96 hours straight, the shit was either doing something with firefighting, something with flooding or something. It was something that was going on. It was doing for like 96 hours straight. They had something to do. He, when he, when the ship, when it happened, he was in general workshop and he was talking about how he came up. Cause when you come up on the DDG, you come up and you come by the chief mess right there. And he was hearing like the chiefs was saying how they was trapped. And he was, his, his wording was, it didn't affect that he knew they wasn't trapped. The thing that got to him was the fact that they was talking about what was wrong with him. And he said that's what he remembered the most, like if they had a, what kind of injury yeah, they had. Yeah, because some of them were injured. Because they were saying that stuff also, what type of injury they had. And that's, and that's crazy. And, and tomorrow I wanted to ask you, did you know um, our force master chief, um, Greg Carson? Carson, no, I, 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 I didn't get to, to meet him. So he was an OS on the ship, right? And he was telling this story in our um, DC class. Like we had this DC class, and he was telling this story. I'm telling you, when he got done talking about this story, um, it was like no dry highs in the room. Mm-hmm. Like when he was talking, he was just he was in, he was pretty much there as the force telling us how important you know damage control is and all that type of stuff. And he was telling this man, it was. Man, horrific, man, on, on, on what um, the, the human mind and, and the body can endure and can take. And um, at the end of the day, like you said, man, people, we're going to get it done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're right. Equipment may fail, but we're going to be there ready. So I tell you, uh, it's too many. It's not too many people that love the IT rating like I do. I could have had the opportunity to go command. I could have got the opportunity to go warren. I could have got the opportunity to go um, any other path, right? But I always said ITCM or bus, right? Like, I'm, I'm either going to get here or retire. And I say that to say this, though. Although I love that, I understood on a very early stage in my career, for better or worse, because 17 people did die, 39 were injured, mm-hmm. the importance of the fact that we all damage control. Mm. If, yes. you are, if you are in a U.S. vessel, you better take it serious you better learn and if anybody has a, a surface pen that's why we first started with dc as a east west coordinator on my destroyer i would fail anybody that did not pass the dc section like you didn't you didn't even go to the next sections because if you don't understand how to fight the ship and take care of the ship then i don't you know i don't need you uh you know like because because Someone else can learn how to do something with your machinery as far as IT, how to set a, a radio. We have SOPs. We have all this. But if you don't know how to work, you know, a, a pump, 
you know, or at least at the very, at the very far, how to deal with a hose or, or how to, you know, the, what, what, what hatches need to be closed, as you said in GQ, then, then you doing a, all of us a misservice. So I say that my love for IT and saying that I think it's the best rate in the world, but I also be, I understand that to be in the Navy, I also mm-hmm. need to know my DC. Yeah, I think it's one of our primary professions, you know? And I, 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 when I talk to sellers, I'll be like, yo, would you go to a surgeon and get surgery if they told you, hey, I'm not that proficient in doing this surgery? Would you trust them to do it? No, right? I'm like, well, you're the person that's supposed to perform surgery, you know, on the ship if something, you know, goes wrong here. You know, like we have to be able to trust each other to, to do these kind of things, man. I think about it all the time. And man, I just deleted about 16 points because y'all made them all about DC and um, engineering and just how we can't take these things for granted, but also how a lot of the things that happen on a coal, right? So the beauty of this book that this captain wrote is it puts you in like the pretty much eyesight of everything, right? So I feel like, and now me being a seller that, was on a DDG, um, I could kind of walk through the ship with them, right? So w- what happened after Cole is, in, in my opinion, now that I understand a story, is it seemed like a lifestyle change for a seller. When it comes to training, um, when it comes to the drills and everything like that, I feel like, like, I feel like this is one of the more important um, things that happened for Modern Navy. Because I feel like my whole career is a byproduct as far as all the training I got for deployments and preps and stuff. I feel like a lot of that is a byproduct of what happened on the call. So, so I talked to a few of the parents of those that, that passed away, unfortunately, mm-hmm. especially for, for ITS and Guana. I'm very close with his mother. Um, cause I was very close to him. And I always tell her that I said, your son didn't die in vain. And I know that, you know, a lot of people say that, especially death that happens in the military, you know, like, unfortunately that, that IT2 that passed away the other day and the car Vincent, um, you know, when they go in and tell the parents, you know, like your son and I, and I'm not saying that he did, I'm just saying that, you know, they'll, they'll tell, told her yeah. that, but I tell her standard, I tell her all the time, the Navy learn. And unfortunately in life as a whole, and even more in the military, Things have to happen, something this drastic for change to be applied, right? Yeah. So those 17 that, 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 that were killed and the 39 that were injured, that, that what happened is the fact that the Navy looked and said, we need to say, change all these different procedures. And we're still learning. And, you know, we had the Fitzgerald mm-hmm. and we had the mm-hmm. McCain and, mm-hmm. you know, there's still mm-hmm. stuff that. That we kind of retracted back, so we had to go back to to square one again. But definitely, like I, I know that there is. I mean, the the the, the simulator and Gray Lakes is based on the coal. Mm, yep. You know, yep. It, it's literally the coal. What happened on the coal is the simulator now. For those that don't understand, in boot camp, as you as you're going through it, and and there's a simulator of because it's part of the battle station is the coal. Um, so. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I mean, there's training to this even being taught to this day that 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 is related to that. And it's because of people before me that went through it. The most senior people stay long enough to pass those lessons. And, you know, people like you guys then picked it up and continue to add to it as system progresses. And and you go to different ships and get to, you know, deal with different sailors. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it 
it's a lot to change. I mean, something simple as the one, not simple, but something as, as is the one MC. We didn't have redundancy. Mm -hmm. You would think that we, you would think that that would be so like when you talk to someone from today and like, they didn't have redundancy or something so important. Yeah. We didn't have redundancy. It took the call for it to have redundancy for radio Mm -hmm. to have redundancy of power, you know? So, so did this make you stay in? Is this what made you stay in? Two things. Uh, I had the best thing that happened in my life, which is my baby girl being born, who is now 20, Mm -hmm. not a baby girl anymore. Uh, It is in my eyes. Um, So I needed a job. I need a steady job. So that was like one of the reasons. But then it, it, we were not a war. I keep saying that. We were not a war when the call happened. And I remember talking to other people as I went to counseling. And uh, one of the counselors, you know, we were talking and I'm trying to like make sense of it. Like, why would they do that to us? Um, yeah. And she says, she was just like, who is the one nation that's in every conflict, whether we like it or not? Mm-hmm. Where does the first nation, the other nations talk to when they need help? So we're the good guys for better. I mean, like we have issues in our country. Don't get me wrong. We have so many things, but yeah. We are the good guys, right? For the most part. So there's people that just don't like, cause so in my eyes, I remember as I go into counseling, I for a purpose, like I need to stay in because I'm, I'm doing more than just getting money for college. Um, yeah. Um, this is a career that I have a calling now because I feel like I survived for a reason. I could have died if I went with the two other ITs that went ahead of the line when they say, let's go to chow. Cause they both passed away and I didn't because I stayed back. Mm. I could have died if I would have not been injured because the FSA, FSA and the guy took. So I'm here for a reason. I'm not saying that I'm here for, to save the world. I'm not here to invent mm-hmm. cure to cancer. Right. Um, but I feel like I've been blessed and I feel, I felt like, let me use that. What I learned there. And, 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 you know, like I tell, uh, Guana's mother, I just want to make them proud, you know, especially since I lost, we, it used to be five of us to hang out all the time and Liberty. Cause we had the same duty section, uh, and everything. And I'm the only one that, that survived out of the five. Man. Um, damn, I got to delete another topic, uh, because I was going to ask about, I was just going to highlight friends, right? So when you got all of this and for the listeners, you know, I'm, just such an analytical thinker for the listeners. We talk about heavy topics, right? But I want y'all to know I'm an analytical thinker and we talked before we started and I'm sometimes direct about, you know, certain things. So nothing I'm saying is in jest right now and we understand, you know, what we're talking about. Um, I just, the way that I think and talk um, might not sound as empathetic as I am right now. You know what I'm saying? But I was thinking about um, friends, you know? So you got all of this, right? That just happened. And then as much as like Damon talked about DC efforts, right? Uh, you talked about DC efforts. We talked about engineering. We talking about, uh, we talk about only having like one generator and then losing that generator. As soon as we lose a generator, we got flooding. Then we get the generator back up. Then we lose it again because we can't monitor the fuel and all this. But while all of this happening, like, like you said in the beginning, like it's people scanning the ship looking for people. Like, you know, we, me and Damon, we talk about boat booze, right? We say it in jest. It's funny. It's a joke. But this happens. Like, as much as you're trying to save, like, 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 
quote unquote what the person said to you, save it. We got to save ourselves and say the ship. It was somebody that day, you know, not to be funny, but it was somebody that day trying to find that bobo. Like, where's my girl at? So I give you an example. The mother of my daughter, we were not dating back mm-hmm. then. She was yeah. seeing someone else, but I care about her. I, I was already looking at her, right? Like I was into her. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's one of the people I was looking for. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it just, it, it's in, in, in the mix of, of me bringing a bucket from repair three to a, a compartment is I was going you through scanning. it. I was scanning yeah. around for those that I care about, including her. Right. Um, so, yeah. so as I, I remember when I told you early on that I went with, 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 uh, um, Smith, uh, OS3 to, to see where this person was and that person was it's because of that. That's where I found Guana. And I keep mentioning him because mm-hmm. he was my closest friend. Uh, we, we had import duty Oof, in man. Norfolk together. We had the same section. We were in the same section on the way. We were in the same section when we pulled into port overseas. Like we did everything together. Right. And yeah. again, another thing we had in common, he was from Texas, but he was Latino. He spoke Spanish. Uh, he helped me, you know, get the transition as we were talking earlier as someone that's literally for five years in the U S so, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm getting accustomed to the culture. He helped that bridge. Right. So he was really close to me. And I remember seeing him and seeing him like wrapped up in metal, like, and, and just like looking at him and just be like, why did I do this to myself? But I had to mm-hmm. look for those, you know, like in the, in a small ship, you get to know everybody. I knew everybody. Like I knew yep. who everybody was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. In five months. Yeah. Yeah. In five months. Pretty I mean, much, yeah. it, I didn't know every detail, yeah. but I knew everybody. Right. But he was one of those that I knew who he really was. Like it's, 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 it was about 20 to 30 people that I knew, like we hang out, that we did things together. And he was one of those. And so, yeah, the human part and the friendships, like. You know, the relief that I will find when I was like, oh, Sarah, who Sarah Gomez, who was my, my sponsor, you know, seeing her, I, I lost all the military baron and I just gave her a hug. Like, you know, she's alive. You know, uh, the mother of my, of my daughter, again, we were not dating or anything like that. She probably didn't even know that I liked her, but I did. And I hugged yeah. her when I saw her, you know <laughs> what I mean? And, and, yeah. but then it, it was just looking and then to come to sit there as a 19 year old and have to like, when kind of things come down at night that you could try to get some sleep and all those thoughts come to your head. I'm not going to see that Still person thinking again. about it. You know, I'm not, no. or I saw him in this condition, you know? Um, Cause to this day, like when I think about uh, gun, the, the one that I had to uh, open the, the, the blanket, that's, that's, yeah. that's how I remember him. Unfortunately, like I don't remember, I don't remember the memories of us hanging out. Right. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and these are deep friendships because this first ship, these first, I'm still friends with people from our first ship. So these are like lifelong connections. We young, we got like, we kids, you know, pretty much like we would be in college right now acting a fool, but we decided to join the Navy. So these are like great friendships. So it's one, it's two things I want to talk about um, real quick before we talk about uh, PTSD but before we talk about that, I want to talk about, I got like a couple quick hits that I want to kind of ask you if you remember. But before that, right, um, the Chang, this for Damon and, and you, Amari, at one point, the Chang in CCS in front of everybody asked the captain, are we going to lose the ship? You know, 
So that's how real it got that day. I can't imagine that. You know, I can't imagine being on an Epsi console and hearing my chain ask the captain, are we going to lose the ship? And then I can't imagine being a cat. I can't imagine being a chain and having to ask that question. But then I can't imagine being a captain and having to answer that question, right? And that's the power in um, the COs, you know? People, people, you know, COs don't always get, like, the grace that they deserve because it's it's like you're a CEO. So people going to love you, they going to hate you, whatever, whatever. But a lot of people depending on that motivation from, that's all the captain needed to say. Like, we not yeah. losing this ship. We not losing it. We, we not going to lose this ship. And then that expectation... Like, if my captain says that, I'm good. I'm good to go, you know? But I just can't imagine how hopeless I would have felt right after Ching. And not a knock on Ching. That's a real moment in life. Like, after Ching asked that question, like, damn, Ching just asked CO. I can, I'm just thinking about me being an EM2 in CCS and hearing Ching say, are we about to lose the ship? Like, damn. I mean, yeah. And like, and like I know, said early, I, I first I faced that reality when I went down to radio as my first GQ station. And my, and my chief is talking about, we are about to set you know, the, 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 uh, emergency destruction mm-hmm. plan that only that happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That yeah, yeah, only happens and down. the ship is going to sink. And here we have, and I'm looking, you know, I'm an E1 with, you know, three months of sea duty experience. And I'm looking at a chief who, for those that don't understand, like there's some people that tills to this day, look at chief in a high plateau back when I came in back in 99, you didn't even talk to chiefs. It was just, yeah, they're yeah. like gods, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. And to hear your chief tell you, I'm getting ready for emergency. I just, I'm just waiting for the CEO. Again, like you said, the importance of the CEO, he's worrying about flooding. He's worrying about maybe snipers out there. He's worrying about fire. Yet he still has to think about, well, if I decide to do this, I have to make that phone call or radio at some point because they have to destroy it. One yeah. more thing that he has to worry about, right? Um, so yeah, I, I I was terrified to hear that. Like that's one of the things that like hit me. Like this is, I mean, you see the the the, the ramifications, so you're like, this is legit. But that's like really one of those statements that it's like, this is no shit. Like we could sink. Like yeah, it, it, you know, because she is an the subject matter expert, my chief, and she's like, we're ready for destruction. Yeah, you know. And let, let me let me add to that it, for. I think it's for the chief engineer to even ask that question, right? You got to think about how much damage it really was. Yeah, right? I don't know. Like, really yeah. put your like, really like put your put yourself there. It had to be to that level um, for that question uh, to be asked because when that question get asked, that means it's time to stop efforts. You know, I mean, like 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 we are we are here, then we stopping flooding, we fighting fires, we doing all that to ask that question. That meaning we about to give up efforts. So the captain, I know he made the right call and made the call. And then that probably uplifted, you know, the crew and everything right there, yeah. man. Like that's, that was, that was big, man. Yeah. Them damn engineers aligning that water to make coffee at night though, man. That's <laughs> man. Engineers, yo, just, just making the call. You know what I'm saying? But, um, <laughs> Hey, so Amari, so at some point though, y'all realize it's a local on the ship, right? Y'all still got the husbanding agent. I don't know if you remember this as a seaman, but the husbanding agent was on the ship after everything, right? See, see, I didn't, I didn't know that, but now you, when you think about it, because the way the port was, 
right? The way how weird the, the pier was. And like I told you, the setup is like it was like a U and land. And uh -huh. it's not it's not your regular, it wasn't your regular pier. It was like a dock. And we just like dock and to refuel. Then it makes perfect sense because they usually come on board with yeah. in, in a boat. And then, you know, they take you in until you completely, you know, done or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, um, I... I To this day, not no, you know, they can't tell me right or wrong or if I'm right or whatever. Uh, but I always felt like when we went through the Suez Canal, we let, you know, vendors come on board. And um, the ones that came on ours, they stay there for a while. Like it was like from, I want to say, zero eight to like 2,000. And mm -hmm. although we were scoring them, whatever they went, they will do stupid stuff like we were supposed to take them to birthing and then they will like, walk and like go through the galley instead of them be like hey come on no it's this way my point yeah. is i have a i have always had the suspicions that some of that intel was passed to scoping yeah to those folks right because they were on board and another thing they changed right like now nowadays when uh, vendors come on board ships they stay in a very centralized location they don't mm -hmm. wander around like they did mm -hmm. back then Right. Um, but yeah, I always felt like that. And I, I didn't even know that we had the, the housing agent still on board, which is crazy when you yeah. think about it, because here we have a civilian that is just, you know, doing their job and they going through this horrific situation with us. Yeah. And it's now it's horrific because, like you said, it's us against the world. Mm -hmm. Right. So now we got this husband agent on board with a briefcase. Mm. So the husband and agent mm. got a damn briefcase. The whole ship, you, they, it, Amari already said, they don't even want to eat the food, right? So the husband and agent, they, we figure out we got this husband and agent on board with a briefcase. What do we want this husband and agent to do? Open this damn briefcase. Let's see what's in it. So that was like a big deal, big story. Um, but damn, imagine being, a, you know, uh, they kind of prep for like if it's a bomb, husband agent open a briefcase, nothing's in there. Husband agent still, I think, at some point can't leave until oh, yeah. um that part I do remember. The, yeah. That part I do remember that he couldn't leave. We they had him into like you on lockdown. Like we don't know you, we yeah. don't trust you, so we're not gonna let you out of here until we get a clearance from like somewhere outside, not even like other Yemenis, like from the US saying that guy is okay uh yeah. to let them go. So his life probably changed forever, you know, after <laughs> oh, this too. Yeah. He's, All right. He probably me. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Hey baby, like, I, like <laughs> yesterday I went to a ship, a lot of stuff, you know, like not to downplay it, but like now I'm here, I almost got killed on that ship, you know? But, um, all right. So we passed three days, we passed four days. Um, we running, you running, like, you remember this, you running one crew with the CO doing quarters. You remember this? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so for me, um, so a little bit in between, uh, we had finally divers came, Navy divers, mm -hmm. because we had so many, excuse me, so many bodies that were in metal, that were under the water, yeah, things like I'll that. So they, they had to come and, and, and get those, um, uh, those bodies out. Um, and then thankfully, like I said, we had the Donald Cook DDG 75, And then we had uh, a supply ship, the USNS Candom. Uh, and uh, what they started doing was they will switch crew. So what they will do is um, they'll send, you know, 10, 15 of their crew members. And then 10 or 15 of us will go to either the Donald Cook or the Candom so we could eat, you know, a warm meal, take a warm shower, you know, use the phone, 
just kind of like sleep. Like well, I went to the Candom, I went to the supply ship. And if any of you have ever been to a supply ship, the crew's small and it's ma- majority civilians. So like mm-hmm. they live in the good life. Like I, I actually, as a seaman yeah. was leaving, like I slept on an actual like stateroom because that's the mm-hmm. things that they have. Um, but so we had that for a few days, right? Like it, it, I don't want to say it was like the, the fourth, third, fourth or fifth day. And then they just, they started swarming the crew and the CEO will stay with, you know, whatever crew was there. Like he didn't leave the ship. Like he didn't yeah. go to the cook. He didn't go to the candom. He didn't go to any of the other ship. And I want to say the XO as well. And the CMC, like that was just certain key members that did not leave that ship at all. Yeah. Um, and, uh, once the divers came out, um, and they brought all the bodies, I was, uh, I was asked first if I wanted to escort a uh, semen guana, uh, ba- body back to the U S which meant that I would have left early. And mm-hmm. at first I say yes. And then I said no. And then I was told to do it because he was my closest friend. So I left the ship, um, on the 20th. So I didn't stay all the way to November 2nd when okay when you know the rest of the crew went uh and for what i recall though for when you know when they came back to norfolk uh, months later is that um you know they they had a, like a skeleton crew like the navy sent one of those nav admins literally asking for people that wanted to volunteer in a, in, yeah. and that was very specific on what raid you know they didn't need an it because they didn't need comms they just need engineers they needed oss they needed like mm-hmm. a couple of people um, but I, I, if I recall correctly, the CEO did not leave that ship at no point. Yo, the C, so the CEO did not want to leave the ship at all, which was powerful, right? So the CEO wanted to ride the ship back pretty much, right? Um, being tugged, you know, being ca- pretty much carried out there, towed away. The CEO wanted to stay with the ship. And that was a crazy uh, kind of uh, wager for the CEO to make a decision between being with his crew are being with the ship, you know, CO called a mentor, mentor said, stay, you know, stay with your ship, you know, let the XO, let the CMC fly back, you know, with the crew. We, we, we fast forward a little bit, but that is uh, something to note. Okay. CO wanted to stay with the ship. And then at some point he was told go, you know, cause it was a, at some, it was a suicide risk. Um, his higher ups were like, yo, we don't want you to still be on that ship. Cause you'll be alone at some point. You're going to be alone with all your thoughts and memories. Um, and we want you off the ship, but CO did not want to, and I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about the CO a little later, but the CO did not want to leave, uh, that ship, which was, uh, inspiring to me. So real quick though. So main one, you lost it, right? Main mm-hmm. one was lost. Chief's mess was it lost or like severely damaged? You could it was unusable. It just okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. S- supply aux two mestex general workshop main two was flooding, and number three gen was the only generator we had. But for some period of time, no TLIs, no uh, you know, you, we couldn't really maintain it, so we just lost it every time mm-hmm. till we could get it back up. And at some point, Damon, we had to use PASP and rat. We had to use the. Uh, rasp to like supply air to three gen i don't know if that was that the first do do you know if that was the first time we did that i'm not sure but i do remember um we never do it like that though like like hardly ever we started with the passing rasp so i think that's one of those those things that probably came out of that i just i'm not sure so i'm not gonna put and say that's Uh what happens but i probably have to look into though but 
So awesome. during a lot of this time, we still 12 shipmates that we that you can't find, right? It's still 12 shipmates that we pretty much know are in the wreckage that we need to find. And I remember uh, just reading that at, at, at a point, the shipyard pretty much said, hey, as much as we love and respect you guys, it's not our job to go through the wreckage and look for bodies. So at a certain point, the captain got to a point where him and XO almost were going to handpick sailors that they thought were like able to handle picking uh, shipmates out of the wreckage. And then FBI came over and said, no, we have people with Tyvek suits. We can do yep. this. Right. And another stand up thing that the CEO did to me was the CEO thought about, you know, I mean, outside of like how many people like you had already saw a shipmate, you know, that passed away in a wreckage, the CEO thought about, I don't want to devastate none of my sellers. So I'm going to identify everybody or whatever. And man, that, that, that gotta be a toll. Um, but one of the things I want to ask you, if you remember, do you remember the smell? So th- there's some controversial here. I have the utmost uh, uh, respect for the commanding officer uh, and the executive officer and even the CMC. Um, Cause they try their best to say it. It was the food and the, and the reefers that, it was just, you know, be getting bad. No, it was it was dead bodies smell. That's what I thought too. You know, That's and, I, and and they yeah. they tried, and I don't know if it was just simply let's not compile to it. I mean, but they were very adamant. I'm talking about like we we got orders, like because we started doing mm-hmm. quarters by like the third or fourth you know day, like by division and by departments, and it was like, no, it's, don't say it's the bodies is. It's, it's the food, it's the reefers and the food. And I, I come from a very poor country, the uh, Dominican Republic, and I was very poor. I know what trash and food smell like mm-hmm. that has just been sitting there for a while because I had to eat a lot of the things that today, thankfully, I don't have to eat mm-hmm. because they're just bad, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I also know the smell of flesh, because I, you know, yeah. my country, when, when I was little, we went through like a, a small little civic, so civil war kind of thing. And, and, you know, I saw people injured and things like that. So I know flesh and what the smell of a decomposed body was. And it was pretty bad. It was, it was, yeah. it got to a point where you didn't want to walk through a certain section of the ship. That, that like that midship area, the little bit that you could still walk on the starboard side. People will literally mm. come from top and go all the way up forward and go through hatches there to go forward and then come back on top if they have to go because the smell was just too much. And unfortunately, you know, it's, it's, I know that part of it was not to, for you to psychologically think of the fact that there that there's dead bodies still there, um, mm-hmm. but it, it, you couldn't help it uh, that to, to, you know, to, to know that that is not, you know, rotten potatoes or, 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 you know, yeah. or like rotten chicken is, is, it's a body it's de- being decomposed. Like we, yeah. You know? and, and like you said, we give COs, you know, I think most captains kind of look at the ship and all the sailors, like, not like their children, but it's like a fatherly kind of like uh grace, fatherly yep. kind of love. So it's like, yo, we want to protect you, but yo, we like, we're adults. Like we know, you know, what it is that we're experiencing. So uh, another one of my quick kind of thoughts, do you remember the shipyard worker slamming a toolbox and like creating like a loud bang 
and it's shaking up like some of the people on the ship and like and the captain pretty much had to go out there like, hey, you know, we can't deal with. So, so I don't remember. Uh, so in his book, as he's talking about it and while we were still uh, in, in Yemen or that's now when we am, am, am passed the goal, like in repair. That was that was in that was in Yemen. OK, so I don't recall that. Right. That okay. specific. But I do know to this day, me and plenty of other people cannot get mm-hmm. a loud noise uh, without. It's crazy flaring up whether it is simply as a reaction being more streamed that you might have if you hear you know something pop or or simply as like getting really upset with someone in that case you know in that situation where you feel it's unnecessary you the two of you might just simply be like hey man that's kind of loud like you know chill yeah. me i might get like what the f are you doing like i get i will get like really mad because it will bring me yeah to that yeah. place uh, I got a couple, a couple more things, and then uh, I want to talk life after um, the coal, or life after, you know, you got back. So at some point, some of these things I don't know if you remember, but it's for note for the podcast. Like a general came on board and was handing out coins, Damon. Like, like it was a, mm-hmm. like, like it was a ship visit. This is during the fallout of the coal. You get a general on board giving out coins to the captain. Like, pretty much has to say, like, hey, I don't. I don't think this is the best time to be doing this, right? Um, You get Fifth Fleet Surgeon trying to use recovery of bodies, trying to use the recovering bodies from the wreckage as a training opportunity. Like, hey, I'm going to bring some people over here. This is a good time for training. That should make you turn your damn, you know, nose up, right? Like, um, yeah, patches, ball caps, belt buckles, right? So this is, you, you, you know, like I'm already saying, like they going over to other ships, uh, doing things, getting coveralls washed and, you know, certain things like that. And the sailors from the coal are starting to lose like things like ball caps, patches, belt buckles, because these sailors from these other ships are like, yo, this is a part of history, you know, so they want to take a small piece of history. So at some point, you know, the CEO got to tell the other ship CEOs like, hey, my sellers, things are coming up, you know, missing. And I know we talked about food, uh, helping sell, help getting help with food and stuff. But at some point, and I wonder if you was uh, here for this, were you there for the tuna snack packs? Uh, I was not. Like I said, I, I again, I, I okay. consider myself very lucky that I left, you know, earlier because I had Pretty, to look, I yeah. get to look the, to the ship. But I, I have heard some of those stories. I haven't heard that one, but I have heard like the, the stealing of things from other ship and people yeah. coming on board. Like there was literally, and I, I'll say it really quick, like one of the, the, the guys that came and that when they requested um, uh, extra people to come that want, like was trying to rip up like literally like a, a chair from like CCS or something like that. Like, cause they wanted yeah, to take it with them kind of thing. Yeah. So you talked about still doing um, colors, mm-hmm. right? So, and then we talked about the CEO having one, pretty much one division, like pretty much this ragtag group of people like, hey, we got to do this today. We're going to focus on this. You go over here and, and do this. At some point, the command got to get back reestablished into like departments and have department. This is important. Like, like, and as I'm going through and thinking about these kind of things and we, again, it's more than a ship that took a hit sellers that we lost is how do we recover from this? How do we be resilient as a crew? And what decisions do we make that we know people might not like at this time, 
but we still got to make them, right? So one of those decisions is at some point, let's reestablish ourselves uh, as a department, like, well, into departments and have departmental quarters. And let's start like letting people remember like, hey, you're an engineer, you know, go do, you know, engineering stuff and stuff like that. So that, that, that stuff was super important. Now, uh, one of the last things I want to talk about, about uh, the day and the fallout after that day was, um, cause I, I was just thinking about this in my head and you kind of touched on it a little bit was like, but like in reality, like how many people like in that moment, right. And not to desensitize anything, but how many people in that moment were like, I'm ready to leave. Like, I, like, I can't take this. I want to go. So I was one of those, um, uh-huh. I, you know, I said, I think I said it a few times now, um, what I will say, though, it's I heard it here and there. I didn't hear as, as often as you might think. So I'll say that much. Uh-huh. Right. Um, I as the day progressed. Yes. As we started normalizing a lot of things, people still became angry. You know, like, I just want to get out of here. Like, why this yeah, and not more, more, more yeah. people coming in? So I will say that at the beginning, when it was just us, you barely heard Tiger it. Flight. Mm-hmm. You know, we were just focused on saving each other and saving the ship. So it was very mm-hmm. rare to hear. You will have moments like me where I just kneeled down and I was crying. I wanted to leave because I saw a, a dead, you know, one of my friends being dead. But you would just have that. Would, those would be like small moments. But as the day became longer and we would just sit in there like, you know, like, yeah, we, we get to go to, to other ships and maybe have a, a, a one night of sleep and, you know, shower. But in our minds, we're like, OK, wh- where is the. Why can they come and have someone else and they just take us right? And 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 the and and the more of a young, the younger you were, that you were not in in those overall meetings where the CEO is telling you know his, you know the department heads and the chiefs like this is what I want and this is this like the younger crew, which is majority of us, you know, you really think about it in a DDG, the crew is really young and that hasn't changed in 20 mm-hmm. years. The yeah. crews are usually really young. Um, we're all looking like, okay, we say we did our part. The ship is afloat. You know, it's not going to sink. We save as many lives as possible. Why we're not out of here? You know, mm-hmm. and I left early, like I said, compared to other people, but I started yeah, to see yeah. that sentiment as the day progressed. Like, I'm not going to go as far as there was going to be mutiny and anything like that. But it it was getting uncomfortable where it was a constant, you know, speaking to us almost daily from the chiefs and then divos or whatever. And, and, and that, you know, they'll come, you know, they're, they're, they're making plans, you know, it's not that easy, you know, that they don't want to leave just the ship. And as we learn more and we got more briefs uh, through, through the the months and, and years, it was just getting that blue Marlin, you know, getting the huge ship to come, pick the ship up because what the U S Navy did not want to do. And I, and I think it was the right decision, even though, um, I would have not liked it to be there all the way to November to was leave that ship on its own in Yemen, you know? Yeah. So at some point, and it's a whole lot more I I could talk about, man, like so much, (laughs) but, but I want to move forward a little bit. Um, Oh man. Uh, but so at some point it's a new CEO and I don't know if you remember this, but this term on those, um, and I don't even know if it's mm-hmm. true, but uh, CEO said it. He said at some point the new CEO says the pity party is over. Like after everything's done, maybe like whenever that turnover happens, the new CEO 
y'all might be in a building or something at this point while the ship's, you know, being repaired and UCO comes and the pity party is over. It's time to get back to work. Absolutely. That was um, it. Okay. How was that? So I'm not going to talk about like my opinions mm-hmm. about what that means. Cause that means mm-hmm. a lot. Right. Um, and as a leader, I know what that means in every facet. Right. But how was that received from the crew at that time? So some of that at the time when that was said is when I think it was a, a frigate that was decommissioned. And what the Navy did was they gave us the old crew options of either staying on the ship or and some didn't even have options or going somewhere else. So like if you still have sea duty, if you're, you know, your, your rate is four years and you'll, you, you still have two left, they send you to another ship. Um, mm-hmm. and like young bucks like me, they gave me the option. They were like, you can stay here and we're going to send you to school. We're going to treat you like a pre-com or you could go somewhere else. I wanted to go to San Diego. And for some reason there was yeah. no billets for a seaman with only a sea bag to go to San Diego. So I was like, if you don't have billets for San Diego, I don't want to go to another ship in Norfolk. I'll stay here. But anyway, so we get these new crew members from this decommissioned frigate, right? Um, as the CEO or the new CEO is coming in and uh, it, it, what it did was it's kind of put us, them and us. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Because not that they, that new crew felt that way. They didn't, they were very helpful, very, very, but we felt like they came with him. And after he said that Mm -hmm. it was like, this is not a pity party. This is like real shit that happened. Like, you know, like, like, yeah, this is, you know, we all have a, a grieving process and you might grieve and it only takes you a couple of months. I might take years, right? Like, you know, we all different. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't, yeah. it didn't go well. Um, and then, you know, and there was a, a threat to, to the ship while it was in Gula. So we went to like literally port and starboard for duty sections. Cause we had so many watches cause we didn't, the Pascula did not have any, um, like no boats on the water for security. So we had extra watches. So we, there's a lot of like DUIs that happened. There was a lot of drunk, like I, it, it went bad, like really quick. Like people between the, what happened and then the long hours and all that stuff, it, it, it was a, a rough, like four or five months after we got back. Um, yeah. And, and y'all still hadn't received awards for, uh, deployment, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it Everything was really slow. Uh, that That's what I yeah. do recall. So after, just for the listeners real quick, y'all. So after all of this, natural reactions to things, fight or flight, uh, people assuming roles that's above and beyond the scope of their job, right? Um, all of these things got to get investigated with a fine tooth comb by like 16 different entities. And I'm exaggerating, probably like five, three to five different entities have to investigate every action that was made on this ship when human nature and training uh, took its course. And that's a hell of a weight to kind of think about uh, as a COXO um, CMC. So that there, that's just food for thought that I want y'all to kind of think about after all this real life, this shit still got to get investigated. Right. So Amari uh, life. So E1 new ship. Mm -hmm. Five months into deployment, October 12th, um, how's life since that, since those moments, how has life, how has that affected you? 
Um, so the Navy has many, many things that we could do better, right? But one of the things that they did do for the coal, that it was very good, because I don't think I would have never went for help myself, mm -hmm. right? Was that they mandated uh, for us to take um, evaluation tests like every like quarter, right? So depending on your scores and, you know, and, and it just simply questions like, how do you feel today? Do you, is it harder for you to wake up compared, you know, are you sleeping eight hours or whatever? And then depending on what score you had, then you either got to see someone or, you know, things like that. For me, it was one of those things that, you know, I, I'm, I'm Latinos. Uh, so not only I'm a man, I'm also Latino. So it's very macho. Uh, I don't, you know, what feelings, what are you mm -hmm. talking about? Like, well, we, you know, we, we, like keep, let's keep it pushing. Right. Um, so I was called like, Hey, your scores, you know? And, uh, I remember like it was yesterday at the beginning, you know, I barely like wanted to say anything. And then I think the, the person asked about guana or like the guys that I hang out with, that I used to hang out with. And I just broke down. Uh, and like, they just all come out angry because that's how I dealt. Like, that's what, my PTSD manifested with anger. Um, so I got diagnosed, you know, they did more exams and things like that. And I got diagnosed with PTSD. So which I went to Limdu. Um, so they had to get me off the ship. Um, and uh, I went to Nick Tam's land and in, in, in Norfolk. And I was seeing counseling twice a week. That's how intense mm -hmm. it was for a good six, seven months, you know, um, and it affected me in many, in many ways. And I, I, even to this day, but especially in the early stages where my relationship with people, because what will happen is, you know, everything will trigger me. Like, like, I mean, like, I don't know if you're chewing with your mouth open, which is one of my pet peeves, uh, <laughs> it, you know, like I now today I just be like, Hey, come on, man. Like close your mouth, bro. Like what's mm -hmm. up back then I would have cursed you out. And then now you're like, you know, that's, that's pretty extreme. So now we fighting, right? Like it, it, it was, it, it, it was manifesting even with my daughter who was little where thankfully I never did anything to the sense of like losing, losing it when I'm shaking my baby or hitting her or whatever. But I saw myself feeling that way. And I'm, I'm ashamed to say that today, but it, that's how angry I was. And that's how. Like, I didn't know how to control my anger and, uh, I'm still have anger issues and it flares up in, in different situations. Um, so I'm constantly going to counseling, right? Like it just, it hasn't stopped. It hasn't, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm like a, you know, but it's kind of like being in an AA team, mm -hmm. uh, AA meetings. Like it, you know, alcoholics and drug addicts tell you like, you know, like it never ends. Like it just, it's a constant. You might not go as often, you know, and then like. Well, once a period of time, I didn't go as often. I went like every three months or every six months. But then one of the things I had to do to, to, to face that fear was when I put on furs and because I wanted to make chief, I picked another DDG mm. and that was terrifying. Um, and, and to go on the way on the first time and then DDG again to, to, you know, have like, we had a, um, flooding, like no, like real, not, not drill. And those things come in my head. Like it, it, mm -hmm. it, 
it's challenging. And even to this day, like I don't, I don't see counseling as often as I used to, but that's how it changed me. Like, I, but, but at the same token though, it benefited me in the sense of it has made me understand that counseling and talking to other people and reading and, and doing these things is good. And to, to, to talk to other people and embrace the fact that we, we, we have issues, mm-hmm. man. Like, you know, so then when I got divorced, for example, I went to that kind of counseling as well. Yeah. So I was going to counseling for PTSD and I was going counseling, but that's something that I probably, if I would have never gone to PTSD counseling, I would have never then gone to that kind of counseling because I wouldn't have been able to admit that I had a lot to do with my divorce. If not, it was all completely my fault. Mm-hmm. Right. And I didn't, I wouldn't have been able to admit that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a work in progress, brother. Like it just, I'm, I'm you know, I'm learning every day about myself and how to deal with people. Uh, cause, uh, not only is because of my PTSD, but because of how the Navy has evolved. If you think about it, when we came in, um, you know, the, the leadership, you adjusted to the leadership. So like me as an E1, I had to adjust to my mm-hmm. chiefs, her temper, whatever. Now we have to adjust to sailors. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's- and the only way, <laughs> the only way you do that is, understanding yourself and, and, and reading and knowing people and going to counseling. I mean, this is going to sound corny, but I'll throw it out there and, and I'm not getting any, not, not even like five cents from, from the, the person that wrote this, but one of the books that have helped me the most, and I, I read it because of my, my divorce is the five love languages. Mm, Gary Chapman. Yeah. And, and it just simply because I got to, I understand people better now, mm-hmm. you know, like, as I get to know you, so if we we happen to chit chat more often and we you know we work together or whatever, I can understand. Oh, you know, he's more of a word of affirmation kind of guy. So I I will come at you that yeah. way. You know, um, you know my 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 son for, for example, my my eight year old, he's more of a physical touch like me. So I hug him and kiss him all the time, right? My daughter's not like that. She's a gifts person. She likes to give gifts. Mm-hmm. So although I always tell her, like, don't give me anything. I don't need anything. You know, you're, you're 20 year old. I don't want you to spend your money. I had to stop because I had to be like, that's what she loves to do. So, you know, let her do what she loves to do. So, uh, so that's how it changed me. Like I still deal with PTSD. I have nightmares, um, you know, but I, I tried to deal with it by doing things like this. Like I, I, I do these things. And like when I did that article, um, and, and when I go speak in other places and, and, you know, do a podcast or whatever, I do it more, I do it for me in the sense of like to help me, not because I want to, uh, I, I hope I came across as I haven't said anything. I didn't save no lives. I didn't, you know, send the, the most important message on the ship. I didn't, I didn't shoot anybody down. Like I didn't do nothing heroic. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a story to tell per se. But there's the Cole story. And that's how I feel better is by telling you about my brothers and sisters and the amazing things that they did. That helps yeah. me. The craziest thing is like the value that you had that like for that fallout is invaluable as well. Like as much as, you know, because pretty much and by your explanation, you were a grunt. Like pretty much, hey, you tell me to go here, I'm going to go there. And these times we need that's what you grunts. need. Like, you know, it's certain times that, for instance, like me personally, I'm not a grunt, right? It's certain times I'm not a grunt, but I'd be like, boy, <laughs> I wish I had somebody, <laughs> you know, I wish I had 
somebody to go do the work right now. You know what I'm saying? Because it's certain, t- like, for instance, I don't like filming. I don't like it. Like, I don't like using the camera to film, but I have to. I wish I had somebody else to go film. <laughs> like, it's a job for everybody to do, and you did yours. You tell me to do something, I'm doing it. We need people like that. You know what I'm saying? I got a question for you, though. Um, did losing a lot of friends on your first ship make you any more guarded when it came to relationships moving forward, whether it be in the Navy or out of the Navy? You know, that, that, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because that's not something that I had thought about a lot, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say no, but I'm the same person that enjoys being alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, like, I, I could tell you, no, I'm, I'm, I still, you know, I, I get friends. Uh, I do friendships, you know, I, I meet people, I'm cool with it, and I am. Yeah. But I'm a loner. Like, so much so that I have had issues with relationships because, you know, after a certain time, you know, they want to move in and, you know, they want to, you know, we want to share space or whatever. And I, I can only, I can only stand my own kids. That's it. Yeah. You know, so, so to answer your question, I wouldn't pin, I can't pinpoint it and say, yeah, like I do this and I do that not to, but there has to be something with the fact that I don't like to be around people. Yeah. I like my own space. I like to be by myself. Um, even at work, you know, I, I used to take a lot of pride on the fact that you didn't find me in the cheese mess on the way. I used to take pride I was in that in my too. office. I used to take pride. Yeah, you, know, you know, I did David. I used to take pride in that. Well, y'all never see yeah, me. I, I used, <laughs> I used to be like, I even put a bet to my, to my sailors. I know we're not supposed to be betting, but I used to be like, for every time you call me and I'm not in my <laughs> office and I'm in the cheese mess, I will put $5 in this can. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the deployment, you guys could split it. They had $25 for the whole deployment. Mm, damn. Cause they could find yeah, me in my office time. birthing when it was time to sleep. Or I'll be in the gym. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Cause I mean, you, cause yeah. I said, don't, I said, don't count when we eat or when we have a meeting, you know, it's a meeting time. It's in the POD eating. I got to eat, you know, there's a, a DRB going on. Don't count those times. Right. And you know, you can't find me in the office, yeah. but if it's any outside of that and I'm not in the office and I'm just like shooting the shit and, and, and the cheese mess. Yeah. Charge me. So I, I used to take, so my point to you though, I bring that up to say, that's how much I like to be on my own. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think that has come from the cold. Cause I wasn't like that. And when I was younger, yeah. right. I like to be around my cousins and my, my brothers and things like that. And, uh, after the cold and I didn't notice at first in the first couple of years, but as I got, as I'm getting more older and you, you know, getting more grumpy or whatever, but, um, I, I just don't like people around me. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, you know, I get invited to a bunch of stuff all the time. It gets to the point now that I don't get invited as much because they always know I'm not going <laughs> to go, go anywhere. Go. <laughs> hey, so you got a, you got a question, Damon? Because I got another question. You got a question? No, go ahead, bro. All right. So my question is about the season, right? And we're going to wrap okay. for, listen, for everybody. We're going to wrap in a minute, but we're having such a great conversation. Man. Um, so my question is about the season, right? So I'm not going to talk too much about the season because we like to keep a lot of things about the season like Mm -hmm, sacred. mm -hmm. However, um, personally, right, I think like what I've received from the season and what I feel like I experienced with like uh, the group I went through with and a lot of the selects I've seen after, right, the short amount of groups that I've seen after, right, because I ain't been in the Navy that long, right? Um, But um, I feel like you have to 
Well, I feel like I had to get over myself. Like, so, um, and I know it, so I'm not going to shy away from it, but I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm an alpha. Like I have an alpha, um, personality, right? I'm like, as much as I don't want to do it, somehow I find myself in most cases ahead of the back, right? As much as I'd be like, yeah, I'm gonna just hang back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna not try to, you know, shine or whatever. I find myself naturally somewhere ahead of the pack. And it's usually out of like, like a Bruce Willis type rebellion. Like, Hey, y'all are stupid as hell. Like we need to be doing this. Right. So then I'm, you know, I I usually let somebody else like lead and then I'll be like, all right, come on, let's do this. Right. And, And we go here. Right. And I normally find myself like that. So like, for instance, for me, what I had to get over about myself during the season was it was times that I could not be an alpha. It was times I had to shut the hell up and I had to listen, whether it be, you know, through the chiefs or the other selects that I was going through, going through what it was times that they had to lead and do in the beginning, it was hard. It was almost like, yo, you would have had to sew my like lips. And they saw it in my eyes every time, every time somebody says something stupid and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah. So what I want to ask you is, um, I don't know if you feel the same way, but was it anything about yourself that you had to go, uh, to get over or anything about your experiences um, on the cold or, you know, anytime after that you had to deal with when you went through the season? So, um, same issue as you. I was the Manalfa, still am. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I had to, like, you know how they do after a certain amount of time, they just like, you shut up. Like you just <laughs> always saying stuff, always leading. So yeah. let someone else. And to know that you have the answer or that you know the right way, <laughs> but the person right next to you don't, you, you have to like, and then I don't know if you've seen this or you went through it. Like you said, they will see it in me and then they instigate yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So, so what you want to say, yeah, Amari? Yeah, you you want to say, say something? <laughs> you, yeah, he, he ready to say something. You know, and and I fell for it a couple of times, yeah. and I'll pay for it, right? <laughs> um, so what's happened throughout the years and and and, and the seat, not only just the season, just as a whole and the mess is, uh, you know, I had to understand that when you always the loud one or always the alpha, then it becomes like, think about like, I love my parents, so I'm not trying to speak bad to them, but my dad never hit me. Mm-hmm. But my mom did, right? Um, Latina, Latin America, they don't, they don't care. They could be, you beat your kids and nobody says anything. So I bring that up to say that after a while, it didn't have any effect on me, right? Like, ah, I'm going to get beat up regardless, so yeah. whatever. I'll do what I want to do. But if I disappointed my dad, it was such a big deal because he never got you know, too high. So my point is I had to learn as I went through the season and then in my being in the, in the, in, uh, in the mess is to, you can still be forceful. You can still be that alpha, but you got to understand where to be that alpha. Mm-hmm. You can't be that alpha in every conversation there is, because then they, they, they just brush you off. Here he goes again. Yeah. good damn what talking about again. You know, he always got something to say. So even if you have something very important, and what you're saying is really on point and everybody should listen to you. But because it's like the crying wolf effect, they've just become, he wants to hear himself talk again. 
and I've been told, and I was told that, like, you know, like, especially in my first mess, mm-hmm. you know, like, hey, man, you just, you just love to always, like, be right. Like, you have to be the one that's right. Uh, it's like, and, I am uh, right. That's why, because yeah, I'm right. Yo, and they, you know what I mean? And so I would be looking like, but am I wrong? And they're like, that's not the point, bro. Like, that's not, yeah. that's not what we're trying to get at. Um, so that's something that I still work and I work in process and, and, you know, and they gave me the rank of senior chief and, and of master chief and they messed up because now I even, you know, but I understand that, that, you know, when you go to ranking boards and when you go to things like that, like your vote and your, your, your opinion has a lot of weight, one of your job, because I feel like if you're not putting the, the work and the grind and the deck plates, like don't come at me in the mess, like, you know. And that's just how I feel or even anywhere else. Like if you're not taking care of your folks, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, don't, don't try to be almighty then when we're close and because I'm, I'm going to expose you. I'm one of those, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I had to centralize my energy into like, okay, yeah, they're talking about this. I, I'm not going to win anything by that. I, I think it's wrong how they're doing it, but um, you know, mm-hmm. if they ask for my opinion, I give them, but then when it's other things that I feel like, especially if it's going to have an impact on the sailors, right? If it's a decision that's being made or something that we're recommending, uh, and I've been blessed with the opportunity to be in the SCL and I was the SCL in the Deseron. So then I had to like, I had six destroyers under me. And although I was a senior chief, I had to go and talk to the master chiefs of these mm. destroyers and say, this is what the Commodore and I would like to get done. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a tough to talk to, you know, uh, CMC, like they're truly CMC. And here I am, I'm just a sale. I'm still in it. I'm not even, you know, I, I, I'm not in even a command senior chief, but I'm the sale for the Deseron. So they have to listen to me. Um, so I had to learn cause a couple of them had to tell me to the side and they were like, Hey, uh, your delivery <laughs> is, uh, it, it needs some work. Strong. Yeah. It's yeah. Strong. It, it just needs some work. I'm not, right? I'm not like, to tell you, them nines, y'all to tell us. Oh, oh <laughs> y'all yeah. Let we, us you know. know, they, they would, you know, and, uh, they were like, you, you need doing to a great job, but, <laughs> but yes. Hey bro, hey bro, yes. I'll just help you out real quick. <laughs> yes. And, and I needed to hear yeah. that though. Like I just, I just, yeah. so, so for me, um, it goes all back to like the one thing that I try to teach during the season. And then, um, and it's about what I like to call your legacy. And what I mean by that is, um, like the LPO that I told you about earlier that, uh, that from the cold, I don't remember how many ribbons he had. I don't even remember if he had his pen. I, I know he did, but I don't remember. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I can't picture it. Right. But I remember so many things about him, the person. And that's your legacy, right? Like that's that, 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 what that sailor that you guys are leading today, your division tomorrow, and you're talking to them, they're not going to remember like, you know, if you got a NAM in your last tour or, or a calm or, or if you, you know, if you got four pens, cause you've been in every, you know, face of the military, you know, you got your IW, your surface, you got, you know, your, 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 uh, uh, expeditionary, like you got all that. So they're not going to remember all that, but they will remember if you pick them up, you know, after they had to go to court or if you were right next to them when they had to go to court or, or if you gave them that day off because you saw them that they had that, that they, they, they were not acting themselves and they just needed to, to blow some steam out. Like just literally not be at work. That's our legacy. Like, that's how I feel. Like your legacy is 
what you leave that person? Are you trying to make them better in all facets? And I don't mean that you have to like hit every facet yourself, but when you try to make that person better, um, it usually just, it's like a tree. It goes from you trying to make them a better sailor. And then it's, it's amazing how then it works into like the other things in their lives Yeah, because they got their career. Most of us joined the military to be something like we wanted, we did it with pride. We wanted to do something. So even these sailors now, they're like, I fuck the Navy. I'm going to get out to four years at the beginning. They joined with a, with a purpose, right? They just, along the way they got lost. And our legacy is either to not allow that or if you're lucky enough to bring them back. Mm -hmm. So that that's usually what I try to, how I try to deal with it and, and the mess and, and just deal with my own alphaness by just trying to be like, what a legacy are you trying to leave behind? Is it the grumpy guy that's always being loud and yelling or knows more than everybody in the room? Or are you actually trying to teach yeah. and, you know, make each other better? Yeah. Damn. Hey, Damon, you got anything else? Yeah, man. I, and the same thing with me, man, that I'm, I'm more of, my thing is more than, uh, it's more than one way to do it. You know, and, and and when you when you're coming up and you know, I've been doing this maintenance this way all my freaking life, you know, and then somebody else doing it and they do a little bit different, get the job done, do everything. And I'm like, why you do it like that? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of even though I was a work center soup, I did it like this. You know, when I was this, I did it like that. So that was one of my biggest thing is like it's more than one way to do it. Yep. You know, as long as we successful, as long as we doing our thing. And we're getting the job done and we're doing it correctly and safely. Hey, that's that's the that's the key. To I love it. it. Safely. I love it. Um, so yeah, that's that's the biggest thing, man. Um, but hey, I also want to say, I know we're gonna get ready to try to wrap it up, man. I want to tell you, man, you got an incredible freaking story. And I feel like it's something that um that people want to hear. So I say, I know you already say you out there, you doing it, you doing it, man. Keep doing it because it's a, it's a story and it's a powerful one, man, especially for anybody that's in the navy man and like you like we all both agreed to dc is big on ships and when you telling this story man everybody can 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 communicate with it everybody know what you're saying and it and it means so much man especially when we out here doing this stuff so much now man you got so many identities coming on the ship now doing this stuff over and over and over and and it means a lot man so keep appreciate it man yeah so it's two more things that i want to do um the first one is uh, we do book of the week, right? So I want to, my book of the week this week is Front Burner by Kirk S. Lippold, retired commander, uh, USN, who was the captain of the coal uh, the, the day of the attack and uh, for some of the aftermath. Um, so a little bit about this book. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about it because we pretty much talked through it for the, for a lot of the episode. but. Captain starts off with some brief notes about his career prior to becoming a uh, commanding officer of the coal. Um, And then the majority of the book, the majority of the meat of the book is about the attack, the aftermath of the attack and about the sailors who lost life, you know, on a ship, Um, the response. And then the final third of the story has to do with, the political aftermath of what happened on the coal, like uh, 
the politics of the Navy at the time, uh, Clinton, Bush, uh, not to downplay it, September 11th, uh, uh, Bin Laden, uh, a lot of the aftermath, a lot of things happened on the Nicole, um, happening that pushed coal. It's funny because the book is called Front Burner, right? For a reason, because that got to do with the kind of message that you uh, send out for that kind of um, event. However, a lot of the book, the last third got to do with how the coal was pushed to the back burner. And a lot of other things uh, um, kind of took uh, the front uh, a lot of things uh, kind of got pushed in front of it. Um, and that kind of brings me all the way back to my do better segment. When I think about myself and I think about the Navy and I think about the fact that like this story is a vital story that we need to tell forever. Like we need to tell the story. It's more than just being on one knee while your knees hurting at battle stations, hearing a story, right? It's 17 of our friends that we lost uh, one day, right? Um, but read the book. Um, what I'll say is I love the book. Uh, like my, the fair, just, uh, review is the best book I read this year. Right. Um, the last third of the book is, uh, more about the politics and high side, like how a captain got to deal with admirals and, uh, politicians and stuff like that. Um, and like a lot of the epilogue I want to say is about, the CEO who was a commander dealing with like never putting on, like actually being selected for captain, but like politics, like kind of stopping that from happening. So he retired as, as a commander. Um, he's still pretty known or he was pretty known a little after, like you see him on like Fox news and different places talking about uh, different things. But so that's what the, I wasn't that part of the book. I, I can't say I, I loved it too much, but uh, like I said, this is the best book I read uh, this year. Um, so that was a great, you know, a great book. Um, before I want to ask you about final thoughts, Amari, I want to tell you that I appreciate you uh, sitting with us, you know, for over, man, we do this for over um, two hours, you know, and I don't even know if we really ran it down. Like, uh, you know, I try to sneak that, you know, the people, so they don't know, you know, but, um, you know, we go over two hours, a lot of times when we do these podcasts. So, um, I like to thank you for sitting with us for over two hours and just talking to us, uh, just talking about life. And I feel like it's so more, so much more that we could talk about, about the Navy, even after Cole, right. Just about, you know, Master Chief, 23 years. Like, it's a whole lot of insight that, you know, and I think we start touching on it a lot at the end. But I appreciate this. I I, I was looking forward to this. I had my game face on for this. I, I drank a Gatorade before this. Um, I really, I did a lot of research, man. Um, but I really appreciate it, man. And um, I'm just happy that your story is your story and you get to tell it. Like, it, it, it wasn't the, I was the, Captain America on a ship. It was the story that a lot of us would have, you know, in, in, yeah. in, in this case, you, you know, to. more of us than the group of people that might've done this. I might not. A lot of us will have the normal story. I was curious, you know? Um, so thank you for saying what us. I really do appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? You got any final thoughts? Um, first, I just want to thank the two of you for giving the opportunity, right? Uh, um, it's, uh, it's, you know, even doing the, 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 the article that pretty much put it more out there for a lot of people to know that, I mean, I even had sailors that have worked with me and for me, they were like, 
I didn't know you were in the cold until they saw that article, right? Mm-hmm. Or they were like, I knew you were in the cold, but we didn't know you were dealing with PTSD since, you know, 20 years. And you hear you go for 23 years in the Navy and things like that. So I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity. The, the only thing I will add is, um, you know, all the things that I did, which wasn't a lot, right, during the cold from my perspective, compared to those that saved lives, that mm-hmm. were fighting fires, that were going to, you know, flooded spaces. I didn't do any of that. So I didn't do nothing like that. But what I did do and I continue to do and I want to give to everybody as a final thought to think about this is because this applies for Navy, for life, is seizing an opportunity, no matter how small it might be. Whether it's you check into the command and you're the hot runner first class from your last command and you're trying to go to this command because you want to make chief and the collateral duty that they give you is... I don't know, name Marine Corps relief, which is very important, but it's only two months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Grab it and be the best coordinator they ever had on that ship. If you are, mm-hmm. you know, IT2 or, or DC3 and, you know, they make you, you know, uh, uh, the, D, uh, the DCPO or they tell you to, you need to clean all the hoses in this, in this P way then be the best one. So, you know, so when you walk through there, the CEO says, who? clean this out because these these hoses that you're shiny everything is well done my point is grab every opportunity and seize it and do be the best that you could be because your hundred percent your hundred percent might be way up here and mine is down here but as long as we given it our all then uh we could be the best that we could be mm. thank you thank you hey um for the listeners before we go um, I want to take 17 seconds of just silence um, to reflect on the 17 sailors that are 17 shipmates that we lost on October 12th on a coal. So I want to take 17 seconds of silence um, right now. Thank you.